You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season five of The Flash. But before we do that, let's meet our guests for this week. So starting off, he is a guy that absolutely loves comics. He does a he does his own comic to let you know that he does that, and that is my buddy Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm the Lord of Illusions. <laughs> okay i haven't used that one in like a year at least so sure gonna go with it <laughs> all right so how have you been uh when was the last time i was on the show what like two weeks ago it'll probably be what two episodes ago when you went <laughs> <laughs> sure so, they're a little variable much, yeah yeah pretty much the same <laughs> okay i was happy i could could find those x-men featurettes for you Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I never I never got to see those because my parents are, were, well, I was going to say were, they are very cheap. <laughs> so I didn't get to go to Pizza Hut and get the, you know, VHS X-Men tapes from Pizza Hut. Did you did you see Fabiana Nitsieza's comment on my post when I asked him if he remembered shooting it and how he was ribbing, uh, how he was ribbing poor Scott Lobdell a little bit. It was pretty funny. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous that uh, you actually have Fabian on your feed because I tried to friend him and never got a reply. I have had the pleasure of speaking to him on more than one occasion. And he's uh-huh. a very uh, courteous and awesome, uh, awesome guest. Don't ask me episode numbers because that I won't remember. I <laughs> <laughs> love Fabian. Fabian's awesome. Yeah, he's my favorite, well, maybe not my absolute favorite, but he's in the top three of my favorite writers of all time. Scott, Scott Lobdell is pretty pretty awesome, too. I've had the pleasure of talking to him uh, on several occasions as well, and I'm glad to see that he's doing the, uh, he wrote the new Critters movie, so I can't wait to see uh, how fun it is, because he oh, also okay. did the uh, Happy Death Day, so he's doing all those cool, weird horror movies. <laughs> hey, Happy Death Day is awesome. I know, that's what I was saying. <laughs> so good. So much fun. I don't he didn't do the sequel though. I know he did the first one, but I don't think he did the sequel. Sequel was solid, so I mean even though he wasn't involved, it was still a, a very good sequel, so it was pretty solid. Anyways, I am good. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> New comic day is good. We're mostly weekly, which is nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen that the pace is yeah, picked up on that. Just wrote the next month of strips and the anniversary is about Four weeks away, five weeks away, 10-year anniversary, so oh, nice. be excited. Yeah, very cool. Congrats. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Is Thanos still on your couch? Um, He's there occasionally. I don't okay. know what he's up to lately, <laughs> other than being Thanos. Right, right. 
Well, that is great. I am glad to hear that New Comic Day is doing well. And when is when is the podcast coming back? Uh, soon, hopefully. Okay, because I keep hearing you tell me soon, and so I'm just wondering when is that? When is soon? Soon is soon. Okay. <laughs> Actually, uh, I don't know. Depends on when I can rope Sean in for a uh, comic book episode. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> so you're gonna blame it all on Sean? Okay. No, no, I'm just oh no, 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 no. Like... He he's been waiting for a certain event to finish. Um, oh, because yeah. I mean, you you've been a, a part of my Twitter, uh, my my Facebook feed. Yeah, you've been yeah. seeing me bitch about it for the last two months. So yeah, I, I've been. Lock, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so he's been very quietly waiting for that thing to wrap up, so we could just rip it a freaking just just. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I gotta say, I what I appreciate is that they've, like, basically said, okay, we realize people are happy with the new 52, so we're gonna blame it on Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> oh, no, we're not talking that event, we're talking the other event. Oh, okay. It, it all kind of ties together, but y- yeah, uh, you, mm, yeah, okay. th- words will be had. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're talking the one that's treating our boy Wally very, uh, very badly. Sure. Sure, but isn't that just because of the alterations to reality? So it should, you know, can if be Sean's theory proves right, yes. Oh, okay. if, my, if my theory proves right, basically Jeff John said, oh crap, we need to fix this. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but we, we don't know yet. We haven't been given official confirmation, but as, as, and I mean, this is just kind of like a hint preview as to what's been going on in DC lately. As Eric has talked about before, there was a moment where Heroes in Crisis was supposed to end, what was it, like two weeks earlier than that, right? Something I think so, like? yeah. Yeah, and they, they intentionally pushed it back so it lined up exactly with the release of Doomsday Clock. And I think the reason why they did that was Jeff Johns and, and the creative team was trying to signal very clearly that something radical was going to happen. And if you looked at Heroes in Crisis and then you read Doomsday Clock, you would see the writing on the wall. Mm. And without getting into either one of them, in case you haven't read them, Basically, one kind of points and says, what you see happening here to, you know, uh, our favorite Scarlet Speedster (laughs) is probably a direct result of what's happening over there. Okay. So it's kind of a wink nod, but they're not outright saying it. But I mean, if you can kind of, you know, take the hint, it's... It's pretty much them kind of going like, yeah, we might have messed up on this. Um, and Jeff Johns is quickly trying to retcon it. Almost, look, this is basically the Spider-Clone saga in real time. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what we're in for right now. Um, no. I mean, literally, it's... <laughs> no, it's being, never wish that on anything. <laughs> dude, you've seen my freaking Facebook feed. I'm not wishing it. I'm just wanting us to get out of it at this point. I'm like, for the love of God, stop it. <laughs> Um, it's it's not great, folks. The Doomsday Clock is actually pretty good, but what they've done over in Heroes in Crisis has been pretty... Uh, uh, it's just been bad. It's just been bad for the whole scene. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that they uh, that they fix that because. Um, but but what I you know as a spectator outside of it all, just just reading what I've read and and looking at the articles and things, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool that they've sort of like said like, hey, it actually matters. Like the idea that Superman's always the center of DC history. And the mm-hmm. fact that his origin keeps getting bumped up in time and how that affects, you know, the relationships with all the heroes and everything. That's kind of cool on this sort of meta level of talking about, like, the importance of Superman. Because, like, Marvel doesn't have a character that's that central. You no, know, they never have. They yeah. never had a character that everybody else, like, revolves around to that degree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that that's really cool. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they do with that. But, yeah, Heroes in Crisis, yeah. Less said about that, the better. Uh. <laughs> 
my pain. <laughs> well, Eric, it is good to have you back on the podcast. It is always good to be here, sir. Even if I was the uh, second choice on this one. Oh, <laughs> that's because you didn't pipe up. <laughs> I said, and I quote, I should be good as long as it as it comes out on Netflix this week. And then nobody responded to me on the confirmation on that. So I had to look at it myself. Okay. And then no one responded to me about being on the show until. <laughs> well, but that's because three so people responded before you. It. So that's what. <laughs> Right. Hey man, I, I don't drive the bus. Okay, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just sitting here going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I have to give me a hard time when I can. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, but that voice that you've heard talking to us about all things comic is that foremost of Flash fans, Sean. How are you doing, Sean? Well, other than Heroes in Crisis, I'm doing pretty good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah, no, actually, things are doing pretty well. You know, um, a lot of stuff going on. You know, uh, Laura and I, we uh, uh, just have always you know our fingers in a bunch of different projects you know so we're running around doing the con circuit with our pop cycle stuff and uh uh every once in a while i get on uh, a couple shows uh you know guest here guest there and doing some other things um i I tend to subscribe now to the philosophy of the more you talk about it the more it's not going to happen so interesting things is all i'm going to say okay but yeah it's good times i'm having good times how about you good yeah no i'm doing okay now that i've gotten a new set of wheels yeah, I know. That was funny. It was like, um, yeah, my car's dead, so we're going to have to record this another day. Right. <laughs> that was a little nuts, man. I was like, oh, man, I hope he's okay. Like, I didn't know, like, did your car die, like, in your driveway, or was it, like, you on the road and, like, it just dead-wheeled on uh, it, it was. It was on the road, and it was overheating, yeah. and it was one of those sorts of situations. So, yeah, and then when I got it to the mechanic, it's like, it's going to cost three times what this car is worth to fix it. And I'm like, okay, right. so, you know, I mean, to be fair, th- that car, we've had it for 15 years between the two of us it was originally my wife's car so you know it's you know i mean it's definitely served us well right you can't really get mad at it for finally giving up the ghost right exactly so uh yeah but you know and the the thing was i couldn't afford you know anything too you know too expensive and so it was basically trying to find a deal and uh and so yeah all day saturday we were just going to dealerships and checking out cars and you know doing whatever we could and at the end of the day we found a car and it was like it's low mileage it's got some stupid cosmetic stuff wrong with it which is why the price was low mm-hmm. and so even though it's an older car it, it it you know it doesn't have that many miles on it and so i was like this is it this is the car and took it to my mechanic today and thankfully he agreed with me that it was a good buy <laughs> so i was worried it's like oh crap is there some like hidden problem here he's gonna be like oh yeah this thing you know right it's 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 got all kinds of things that are going to go wrong soon. But nope, he said it was uh, it was good. Just has a few minor things that he would suggest. Oh, well, that's fantastic, man! Thank you. That, 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 that's 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 really just that that's really good to hear, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, wow. and thanks for having me on. That was where the thank you came from. I was like in the, in my brain I was like, don't forget to thank okay. for having you on the show. You ever do that, like where you prep your brain to make sure to remind you to say something, and then your 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 stupid self like forgets to say it. So you like you're right. trying to preload it into your 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 matrix. Yeah. That, that you you just heard All that right the there. Right. Words <laughs> wrong order come out. Yeah, exactly. So I was, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, thanks for having me on, man. And no problem, Sean. It's always great to have you on. <laughs> and finally, coming to us from from literally from death's door <laughs> is our resident plague carrier, <laughs> Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? You know, I'm in quarantine and. 
I forgot what I was supposed to say just now. I should have like prepped it in my head and uh-huh. done it in some sort of matrix or something. But yeah, otherwise I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, you're under the weather today. Uh, just a little bit. I got a sinus infection. No, oh. it's all up in my head. You know that. Which it's 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 the funniest thing, right? Because I've lived in Texas before. I lived here for ten years before in this very city and this very zip code. Never had allergies, never had any sort of problems. Then I moved away, and then I came back. And like the past two years, it's like every month or every two months or something, I'm I'm getting something. And uh, I, I it could be that I'm getting old and I'm out of shape and I eat too much and I don't exercise. But I like to think it's probably the building I live in. <laughs> well, that could be, or it's like yeah. that movie After Earth where just everything is trying to kill you now. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. In which case, <laughs> screw them. I'm here to stay. Right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so yeah, any, anything good going on in your life? Oh, well, I mean, there's always good stuff going on. Um, you just have to kind of look for it a little bit. Sure. There's, there's things changing on the work front, which will hopefully, um, free up a lot of time for me to do more creative artistic endeavors, uh, going forward. And as you may recall, I had a conversation with you like a week or so ago where I found out this is just one of the small little small world tidbits, but you and I were at the same convention in like 93. Yes. And and didn't know it or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. That I told my true. wife that when I got home, when she got home. <laughs> that is true. You know, I forgot about it until you brought it back up just this moment. Yeah. But you're right. That is really cool. It's like we were both at Heroes Con 93 and we yeah. just had no idea who each other was. Yeah. yeah there you go. You know, it's one of those, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. That's like the, the, the prequel of the TV series or something. And right. and they, yeah. Yeah. Or oh, please, maybe. Please don't be Gotham, please. Don't be Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> Would you prefer so, Krypton? Oh, wait, what? wait, and did you tell me it was your first con also? My first major one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same for me. It was my first, yeah, it was the first time I went to a, to a big con like that, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, I'd been to, like, some of, I think I'd been to, like, one of those, you know, afternoon, four-hour type cons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was my first travel for a con. No, oh, that's that's really cool. And, uh, yeah, no, it's um, small world, huh? Well, it's, I mean... I get t-shirts at every convention that I go to, mm. and for some god-awful reason, I still have that t-shirt from that convention. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a Wolverine as Weapon X, you know, with uh, the date, the con, and the date on it and everything, and I don't know why, but I still have, that shirt is, what, 26 years old, something like that, and I still have it. Any other shirt, yeah. you still yeah, fit in it is the question. Well, it's, my wife wears it now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I still have it. Right. <laughs> Because I know if I got something in 1993, if I got a shirt, I wouldn't still be fitting in it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, let's also be fair here. In the grand scheme of things, like, when you have a significant other and they're able to fit into your clothes, that's automatically hot. So now right. he gets to look at his awesome first ever con t-shirt that his wife's now wearing. Like, that that's just like a double whammy geek, like, just just boom. <laughs> So I, all I'm hearing is just win, win, win here. So that, that just yeah, that sounds like fantastic news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing that was more exciting about that convention is, uh, to this day, I, and I still curse my mother about this, um, you know, like once a year, is the fact that I had an opportunity to buy the original X Men number one, but I came up about twenty bucks short, and she wouldn't loan me the twenty bucks. Mm. So you know, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's why she's out of my will, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, harsh. <laughs> And this was like in '93 before they really blew up. Mm, so yeah. you know, yeah. So you know, but uh, I mean, hey, whatever, mom. I hope you enjoy your grandkids. That's all I'm saying. You know? hey, 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 this is the Earth. We go hard here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> I-, I guess it's good to have you back, Ryan. 
<laughs> you, you get what you pay for. That's, that's <laughs> true. That is very true. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, for, so for those of you who uh, follow the show regularly, you, you know what time it is, and that is time for our five-minute controversy. And this week I wanted to talk about uh, something from Avengers Endgame, a little film that you, you might have heard of. And w- the one thing that I see the most contention about online with regard to that movie is the depiction of Thor. There are a lot of people who are really unhappy with it, and there are a lot of people who feel like there's a lot of good elements of body positivity from it, talking about depression and things of that nature. So I was just really curious for something just for us to, you know, that isn't really huge in the grand scheme of things, just for us to talk about for for a few minutes here. What were your thoughts on that? So why don't we start with you this time, Ryan? Yeah, well, I mean... When when it first happened, watching it on the screen, it did obviously catch me by surprise. And in subsequent reviewings, I was able to watch it more. And, and I've read a lot of commentary back and forth on all the different opinions about it, whether or not it's, you know, fat shaming and stuff like that. And there are a few lines in the movie which can definitely be taken that way. But I, with almost no exception, I don't think I've read anyone's argue not to have done it. That is to say, I don't think anyone's been upset that, oh, it's not still buff warrior you know heartthrob thor everyone people have had discussions about how it was executed about whether they went too far or not far enough or did this or didn't do that but i don't think anyone's too upset about the attempt just you know whether or not it landed correctly interesting your feet and mine are very different oh well there you go (laughs) (laughs) the internet you know right exactly (laughs) but uh yeah i mean no I i have read people who didn't like it and they have legitimate reasons not to like it. And then I've read commentary from people who, you know, said it was empowering. And, and I think both of those things can be true at the same time. I think it's, like any entertainment, is extremely subjective. If if the Russos had it to do over again, would they do some things differently? Yeah, probably. But by and large, I think it's, uh, they took a, a risk there. And, and Chris Hemsworth certainly took a risk. And it landed. One of the things that they did... And I read that Hemsworth fought for it was keeping Thorbalski that way even after he summoned his armor. Supposedly, an earlier version of the script had him, I guess, return to his normal godly self uh, when the lightning struck or whatever. But he fought to keep Thor in that body to show this is a process that he's, it's going to take him time to you know come back from, if ever. And I, th- I thought that was pretty commendable. Okay. Uh, Sean, did you have any thoughts about this? Yeah, I mean, you know... I think that uh, a lot of what Ryan said lands. I I think that as a creative person, there's one thing that I've learned and there's one thing that I've definitely learned over years of, you know, just talking to therapists and and just kind of working on yourself, which is, and this is something that a lot of people forget. You are not responsible for anybody else's trauma unless you directly caused it. If you went up and punched somebody in the face when they're a little girl and now they're afraid of being hit, you cause that. But if you're in the world and somebody has done something to another person and you just happening to be there saying something, not realizing it's going to affect them, traumatizes them, that is not your responsibility. You could be sorry for it. You could be aware of it. You could try to curtail those actions, but you are not responsible for other people's endeavors. And as a creative, you're speaking towards your experience out into the world. How people take that, as Ryan said, is completely subjective. They can take it as being positive. They can take it as being negative. But this weird thing that happens on the internet is that the internet makes everybody extremely codependent. 
and they start looking at each other going, you need to be aware of what I'm feeling right now because this is how I feel. That doesn't invalidate their feelings. That's nothing wrong with them having that feeling. But people can't dance around their own emotions hoping not to offend yours. Otherwise, we're all kind of stuck in this weird stasis. And on a creative front, you have to ignore that kind of stuff. And for some reason, the Russos thought this would be something interesting to do because let's be fair, if you've ever experienced depression, if you've ever gone through that kind of process, or if you've known somebody or loved somebody who's gone through that process, something that happens through depression is they gain weight. You know, they're going to go through that. And let's be fair here. Thor lost the universe. Half of everybody died. You know, the snapping killed half of everything. So if you're going to be depressed, that's going to be a hell of a depression. The fact that he only put on that much weight was kind of a show of restraint in my mind. Either that or that's just how awesome the godly metabolism works. Either way, you're seeing a physical effect on this person. And the fact that he didn't change back and he didn't get lightning abs, I thought was a much bolder choice, you know? And I thought the thing that went even further for me that, that I really liked about it was the fact that, you know, people are making jokes. They're pucking. They're, 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 they're kind of poking and prodding at him. But at no point do, do I think people give enough credit to the fact that his mom says, hey, eat a salad. But then he reaches for the hammer and the hammer doesn't care. You're still worthy. You know, your physical appearance has nothing to do with what's going on upstairs. And upstairs, Thor was still worthy. He, despite the fact that he felt like crap and he felt like he had gone through this horrible thing and he was no longer the God of Thunder, all he had to do was reach out to his trusted friend that he's had for thousands of years. And it was there for him because he was still worthy. And the power of that, in my mind, outweighs any argument negative to that. But at the same time, that's my subjective experience. And as soon as I hand it over to somebody else, they could think the exact opposite. And that's the great thing about art is that it is subjective. But for me personally, the, the buck stops with whatever the Russos want to put in the film. And whether we take it positively or negatively is our own baggage. And we have to be culpable for that particular piece. So I've seen a lot of stuff where people go, they should have known better not to do this. And I am mad at them. And I'm not going to watch anything else of theirs because they <laughs> fat shamed me. And I'm like, honey. Go talk to a therapist. You or, or talk to a friend, or, or or you know, like come come talk to me. Come talk to somebody. But you can't expect this creative person to have known that that's going to affect you that way. It's just an unreasonable expectation for any other person to be able to read your mind and know your trauma and avoid that trauma. It's just impossible to do. Okay. Yeah. No. That's. I think I've seen a lot of people taking the same tack with it that you have. And Eric, what do you think about uh, Thorbowski as Ryan uh, referred to him? First, I'm really curious about your feed now because I don't think I've seen anybody say anything negative about Thorbowski. And yes, there are moments where he's played for laugh, but at the same time, and I think it's heavily why Hemsworth fought for it, is this is one of, and Sean touched right on it, this is not only a body positivity thing, but this is one of the strongest allegories for mental health I've seen in quite a long time. I mean, this is a guy who was depressed, grieving, basically gave up on everything because while he did get his revenge, it was at the cost of half of the universe. And at the same time, you know, he's he's grieving, he's depressed, he's gained all this weight, and he's still worthy. That is one of the best, like, mental health, like, positivity things I've ever seen. I don't know if the screenwriters maybe like meant that purposely, you know, or just kind of lucked into the way it was played, but I mean it's 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 great. It's a great message to pull away from that movie and maybe even at the end of the film he's still 
technically Torbowski at the end of the day. The, all that weight didn't magically go away. The only thing that changed was the awesome braids in his beard. <laughs> yeah, they kind of burned off. Am I wrong? Yeah. That's literally the only <laughs> no, no, thing that they changed. burned off. It was funny. <laughs> I did laugh when he, he does his transformation sequence and it's like, ah, his beard got braided. <laughs> Full-on Viking beard. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the thing. I, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about the body positivity and everything. I... I have a hard time seeing that watching the movie because it's play to me. It seems to be like, here's some light comedy, everybody. And at no point do it doesn't seem to me that that's what they're going for. I mean, obviously, like Sean said, people can, you know, take from it what they want to, but it seems like there's no point where it actually seems like that's kind of what they're trying to espouse from it. Now with the depression, I think there's a little bit more of a, a leg to stand on there because you know he does have a whole arc of you know finding out that he's worthy and then when he gets another crack at thanos he's standing up with it and you know things like that but i don't know i just thought that you know they're just trying to like turn thor into a comedy character and i don't think that they were really trying to get anything meaty out of it well i think a lot of what people are seeing is the fact that the depression trumps the the weight the weight is a result of the depression so when you look at them you're really looking at a symptom of the greater problem and since the story of uh, of thor in this movie was him struggling with this depression and then coming out of it the the fat becomes secondary to that yeah you can play it for laughs just like when you're depressed you can laugh at something you know you can sit there and be completely and utterly just in your darkest hole and then you see something that's really freaking funny and you laugh and you laugh in a way that you have not laughed in a long time and as soon as it's over maybe it helped or maybe you just go right back into that hole you know it's not an either or thing it's not binary you know and i think that the fatness just happens to be a a byproduct of them exploring that depression at least for me I also think it's worth mentioning that we we all recognize Thor is clearly suffering. He's got PTSD. He's depressed. Uh, he lost his homeland, his brother, half his people, then half his people again. So, yeah, it's rough for him. But I think what we tend to ignore here is the people who do say, oh, he's, he's fat-shamed or they don't do enough to help him, the other Avengers, is they're all depressed too. Right. Every single one of them has gone through something, you know, nearly as bad as Thor. Maybe not quite as bad, but uh, they've all lost half the universe as well. So they're coping in different ways as well. You know, Natasha threw herself into her work. Everyone is doing something. This is just how it manifests with Thor. And so the argument that they're not there for him is more of who's there for the whole universe. They're there for each other in the sense that they're trying to make it right. Hey, well, let's give it up to Papa Boy Steve, the only guy who was there for the universe, literally putting together <laughs> survivor meetings, going like, let's just talk about it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> let's just talk about it, because that's what Steve Rogers does. That's why he's the ass of America. <laughs> right. That's, a, that's America's ass right there that's in action. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Don't forget about so Kill Bill memes. Hawkeye style. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. There's another. Exactly. You know, we, See, we that's... Definitely... Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm, 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 no, I'm just laughing over the, the, the absurdities of the different extremes of depression, right? Okay, I could either get really fat, or I could start a, a help group, or I could just kill every person in the room. Yeah. What am I going to do today? I mean, a flip of the coin, what if Thor had gone, yeah, Hawkeye, you know, uh, style, and then Thor was out there killing entire planets? Right. That would have been a terrible twist. Well, maybe we'll see it in the What If series that they're going to do <laughs> on Hulu. 
Or no, that's on Disney Plus. I'm sorry, that one's I think on. Well, I can't remember. I can't keep it all straight anymore. No. But anyway. <laughs> I know I made the joke about it, but that's actually what I've seen bigger complaints about. Like I said, I haven't seen anybody complaining about the Big Lebowski Thor style or Thorbowski, as you called. <laughs> I've seen more complaints about, oh, there are people out there that are offended that Widow got fridged and that Clint was supposedly racist because he only went after Mexican drug lords and y- Yakuza. It's like, now I'm pretty sure they're not going to devote like an extra... F- minutes of the film to seeing Clint go after pedophiles and rapists and serial killers. It's like, no, they just picked and choosed and alluded to the fact that Clint's been killing over the five years. <laughs> right, yeah. So anyway, we're not gonna, let's not spin off on the talking about all the different points in Avengers Endgame thing, but yeah, I mean, I think that they that they dropped the ball by not doing a Ronin movie, because I seriously wanted a Ronin movie after seeing those few minutes in Endgame. Hey, you know, there's the nothing series. that says they can't go back and do a prequel the series. Or a series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they could totally go back and fill it in. I know, but prequels, once something's a prequel, my interest goes, like, through the floor. We, we've already seen how it turns out, so I don't really care. You know, unless your name is George Lucas, or as far as attached to the creative team, you should at least give it a chance to see how it plays out. Oh, I'm sure I'll see it. I'm just not going to be all that excited about it if they did <laughs> such a thing. Anyway... That's it for our five-minute controversy this week, and we're going to talk about The Flash in just a moment, but now let's pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Hey, Adam Thomas. Yes, Thomas Mariani? You know how there are podcasts about bad movies? Yeah. And also podcasts about good movies? Yeah. Well, what if a podcast could cover both? What? Listen to Double Edge Double Bill, where a random selected yin and yang of a double feature is picked and then picked apart. Now, who came up with this wacky idea? Adam, we did. That's our show. I'm learning something new every day. Listen to us on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are available. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime and find other metahumans like me. But when my daughter came back from the future to help, she changed the present. And now our world is more dangerous than ever. And I'm the only one fast enough to save her. I am The Flash. And we're back. And like we talked about at the beginning of the show, we are going to cover The Flash Season 5. And... For me, this season was a bit different than the previous seasons because since season one, I've had the same feeling every time with The Flash. I get excited at the beginning of the season. There's something new and interesting happening, and they set up some amazing villain. And then they, over the course of the second half, sometimes it's only till the last five or six episodes, it feels like to me they've dropped the ball every time. This season completely changed that. And... I'm not going to talk about the ending yet. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But this season left me more excited at the end than I was at the beginning. And I am so happy that the show has had a return to form because I was such a huge fan of the first season. And then I've just felt like even though I've enjoyed seasons two, three, and four, I've never felt as excited about the show at the end of the season as I did since that first season, I feel like with what's going on right now, not only in The Flash, but with the Berlantiverse as a whole, that I am so excited heading into the next season. But 
I'm kind of curious what you guys thought. Just overall thoughts without getting into too many specifics. Do you guys feel the same way I did? Do you think I'm completely wrong? We haven't started with you yet, Sean, so why don't you uh, let us know your thoughts? For me, you know, as you kind of alluded to, and if anybody's ever listened to me on one of these shows before, I kind of hang my hat on The Flash. Like, the sun rises and sets on The Flash for me. So I've always been a little bit more forgiving and a little more critical at the same time. Like, I could sit there and say, just WTF, man, and then just kind of rage, turn off the TV and walk away and know that I'm going to be back for the next issue, the next episode, the next, you know, season, whatever it's going to be, because, you know, I love The Flash. I've loved The Flash since ever. I mean, 1984, 1985. So it's, it's inconceivable of me not to follow the story of whoever is under the scarlet uh, cowl. And so going into to the end of season four, I was very optimistic because I felt that even though they kind of dropped the ball, which we discussed last year in a couple places, I felt that they were able to pick it back up and they, get, they were able to get across the finish line. And they did some very interesting things that ultimately made that season far more successful than, say, season three, which we have talked about <laughs> emo flash is not a good thing man emo flash is not a good thing you know and i was i was okay with that i was like all right you know what we we, we got away from that horrible you know we got to have a speedster in every single season kind of thing and uh it, it, season five it felt like they were going to go more into the rogues and um they kind of took a bit of a swerve when they announced cicada which I was like, really? We're going to do the Flash cult? I was like, that wasn't a big storyline in the comics. So my brain is kind of the whole summer going, how are they going to do this? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? And, and ultimately, my brain decided to check out. I decided uh, pretty much after the first episode, I said, you know what? I, I don't want to watch this right now. Um, and I do this every once in a while. I'll do this with the issues of Flash as well. I'll, I'll decide I want to stop and I want to read it in a bulk. I want to read a storyline or a creator's arc almost in total. I did that with Scott Snyder's run of Batman during the New 52. I basically waited until, uh, I don't know, Eric, can you help me out here? It was what, issue 52 or, or 50 that he finished up that story? Do you remember? Um... Right. But I mean, it was like 50 plus something issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was a good chunk. It was a good chunk. I decided to wait until he was done with it before I just sat down and read it. And I decided that after episode one, I was going to wait basically until the end of the season to watch it in total. Because sometimes, you know, especially now that we've gotten more towards binge worthy TV, seasons don't really play well unless you're watching them back to back to back to back. And I said, let me give this a shot and really control myself. So not only did I have filters up so I didn't see anything announced for The Flash, I, I, I kept everything off my feed that was Flash as far as the TV show. Um, it took some willpower to <laughs> not dig into this. But I was able to do it. And I sat down and I was able to sit and watch the majority of this entire season in one chunk, basically over the span of about four or five days. And I have to say that it played really well. I felt that the story was working for the most part, I would say out of the majority of our characters, almost every single one of them hit the right notes that they had to hit. Um, the two failing points I feel hit this season was I think Cisco had a really weird just yeah. what the hell arc. Um, <laughs> right. and, and you know what? I, 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 I hate saying this and I really don't want them to do that because we need more female actors um, on shows. I, you know, we, we tend to get sausage fest, especially in Heroes. They, they've got to figure out what the hell they're doing with Iris because every time they try to make her interesting, they're just making her more bitchy. And they're not even trying at this point. Like, it's just, it's, so built, it, it's so built into her character that it's very hard. And the thing is, is that Candace Patton is a sweet and lovely woman. She's a lovely actress. I like her, but her character sucks, man. 
Eric mentioned this on Facebook, and I gotta say, the absolute low point that had my daughter and I flipping tables over here was when she was telling Barry that, you know, Fawn has changed, and he's a good person now, we should all just give him a chance. Oh, right. <laughs> I was... And I get I get what they were going for, but at the same time, you're talking to the man whose parents were murdered, or his mother was murdered, right in front of him by this man. Right. Seven times. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Oh, just, please, let's not even just... Uh. <laughs> right. I mean, to say he was traumatized by that event is an understatement, and she wants him to calm down and think that this is okay and that they should trust him, I, and, and she's mad about it that he's not? That, like, just, I just blew my mind. I was like, I mean, no one no one can expect that of somebody. That's just, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that was really where they dropped the ball for me, was I felt that the story, the the overall villain piece, I thought was interesting. I, I'll give them one huge credit, which is one of the great things that we've always talked about um, about DC is that DC is all about lineage. DC is all about passing on the mantle to the next version of that character. And The Flash has been the one brave enough to actually hand off a couple of the characters. Um, we now have three different we uh, weather witches, or wizards, depending on how you want to refer to them. You know, the, the, we had two versions of Cicada, which was awesome. You know, things like that I thought was really great. Technically, which version of Thawne are we on now? <laughs> like like nine or something? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, but it, technically it's all the same guy, but I mean, they're actually showing us, you know, that they're, they're, they're brave enough to hand off the mantle in some ways that are extremely surprising and in other ways that just seem like a natural flow. And I like all of them. But when they when they sit down and say, hey, let's talk about Iris, I just want to like stomp out of the room and just, I don't know, spray paint on all the walls in, in, in uh, 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 the, the city. Just Iris sucks, you know, just uh, I would never go to her website ever, <laughs> ever. No. Yeah. But anyways, I'm sorry, I'm monopolizing the conversation. That's that's fine. No, you, you brought a few things I want to tee up on. But first, I want to get everybody's opinions on the season overall. So, uh, Ryan, what about you? Well, I actually want to echo Sean's point there that I found this season to be way more binge-worthy. Uh, I didn't watch it. I watched it in like five episode segments at a time. You know, I would uh, it would just get behind and then have four or five in the queue, watch them, burn through them, and go through the others. And for me, if I can do that, if I can watch more, you know, two or more episodes of a series in one sitting, then I know that they've got something there. And this season had its ups and downs, its hits and misses. But for the most part, they did that. They managed to hold my attention uh, by taking risks. Some of them obviously were, eh, and some of them weren't. Like, thank God they didn't. For a minute there, towards the end, I really thought they were going to hook up Caitlin and um and ralph yeah ralph and, uh, but then he had the perfect response you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i pretty i figured they were setting up a joke there because i didn't think it was possible they could do that but yeah no i i did wonder for a second if yeah. they were but yeah and i honestly i think sherlock might be my favorite uh harrison wells <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why but uh and and also even though Nora, I, I love and hate her at the same time. Like, she's hitting, she's checking all the boxes for me in some ways, but in other ways, it's just, I just want to shake her and go, you're not 12. Well, that was part of my problem, because when she first showed up, because the actress is so short and looks so young, I thought she was supposed to be a teenager. I thought she was basically like an impulse, like a female version of impulse. Right, right. And, 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 but then, yeah. then I... 
then she's talking about having gone through college and being a CSI, and I'm like, what? And so I look up the actress. The actress is 33. She's a year older than Candace Patton, than her, <laughs> right. than her mother. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, okay, she's an adult. I didn't realize. But yeah, the problem is she acts like a kid, even yeah. though she's uh, she's an adult. Yeah, I mean, I guess- I, that was something. That, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was saying that was something that played weird. Is that the first half of the season until they kind of reveal that she's grown up a pretty much normal life was it? They were giving her the impulse treatment, which was, yeah. oh, she's lived her 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 life in hypertime, you know, just yes. like impulse did, and she's really only like seven years old or something, right? You know, and I'm like, okay, got it, no problem. And then it was like, no, no, she's she's like, you know, she, she's 47, you know, like or whatever. <laughs> you know, just, uh, just, it's just bizarre. She's about to retire and write her memoir. Right, you know, okay, that was an odd choice, but fair enough. (laughs) So sorry to interrupt you there, Ryan. Oh, no, no, I mean, again, also to, uh, I had real problems with Cisco's arc. I mean, how it ended just made absolutely no sense for his character and was completely unnecessary. And Cicada was... Yeah, interesting. I thought going with the future Gracie was a it was a twist I did not see coming. That's what I'm saying. They took some risks in in this season, and I appreciate that. The only thing I did that didn't make sense to me is why Thawne would still have Harrison Wells' face. That I don't I still don't get that. Well, other than that, Tom Cavanaugh is awesome, and even though I did like the other guy when he was in Legends, yeah, you know he he's he's nowhere near on that Tom Cavanaugh level. So yeah, well I agree with you, Ryan. It doesn't make story sense. It's one of those <laughs> things where it's just like get Tom Cavanaugh playing Wells, and then you get the real gravitas in there. So it's kind of I get why they did it from a from a directorial standpoint. Uh, one less salary to pay. You know? Well, that's <laughs> true too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I even think that, that while they will never figure out what to do with Iris, that Caitlin, I felt like, had more purpose this season. I, I feel like they finally found the way to do her and Killer Frost in a way that's uh, entertaining and I want to watch. Mm. And uh, Eric, what do you think about the season overall? Overall, the season has some great ideas. But as Sean pointed out, once again, this obsession with Iris always being right is bringing the show down no matter what. I mean, the whole... The whole confrontation with Sherlock, Sherlock when he's trying to uh, get to the bottom of what she's hiding from everybody and, and rips them apart. I'm like, excuse you, Iris. He's looking out for everybody. Whether or not he admits that or understands it himself, he's looking out for the truth and the bigger mystery. Or like the, the fact that, you know, like you brought up and I brought up on Facebook the other day. It's like, oh, OK, we got to trust. We got to trust, you know, your great your greatest enemy. It's like, no, no, we don't. What are you talking about? It's like he's obviously manipulating everything, and we know that as viewers, and Barry knows that because Barry's smart. <laughs> but apparently... Uh, uh, I don't know, to defend Iris there, I mean, even she said, no, I don't trust him, but I trust him about this. She was basically saying that, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Uh, she wasn't just full-on saying Thawne had been redeemed. She was just saying Thawne genuinely seemed to care about Nora. Yeah, but then but then we find out at the end that he really doesn't. <laughs> I feel like he was wrong. I feel like she was. She, and so, I mean, ultimately, even though Iris always has to be right to herself, I feel like the show is basically saying Iris isn't always right because about this Thon thing, you know, she was really wrong. Yeah, and I mean, not to jump ahead to the end, so l- l- trying to bring us right. back, because uh, I know you, you see you said the end. Because uh, we all want to talk about the end, and we can't talk about the end yet, dang it. Um, but no, I mean, bringing it back more towards the Thawne and, and caring for Nora, I think one thing that a lot of people forget about is that Thawne is genuinely, I, I mean, how do I put this without pissing off the entire internet? Thawne is a fan, first and foremost. 
And sometimes, as fans, we forget that the things that we are fanatical over can kind of take control of us, and we can get a little too obsessive about them. And sometimes that can create an unhealthy outcome. So if you're looking at Thawne as the ultimate Flash fan, of course he wants to help the Flash's daughter. Of course he wants to make sure that she gets what she needs in order to be, you know, whatever she has to become. Because remember, you know, Thawne has a weird, you know, kind of fetish towards, you know, he wants to be the Flash and then he can't be the Flash. And there's that whole diametric, you know, outcome of, you know, well, I was the greatest Flash ever. And you just don't like the fact that I kill people that he has in the comic books that ultimately makes him kind of go revenge crazy. But he still ultimately loves the Flash. It's 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 almost like this weird fetishistic love story that he has. So I could see him being completely, you know, in love with the 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 the, the Allen family and wanting to see the daughter become the best speedster she can be, and also at the same time, because he's Thawne, have an ulterior motive. And oh, if she whatever again, not talking about the end yet. But if bad things happen, then bad things happen. They're not mutually exclusive. Exactly. You know, it's interesting, Sean, that you bring that up because the line that Thawne gives when they go back in time and meet him back in season one or just before season one is, you've given me your daughter, Flash. Right. And it's like, oh, my God. It's just like it was creepy the way that yeah. he said it. But that's the way he sees it is like you've 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 shown her to me. So now I have power over you, you know, kind of thing where it's just like, oh, man. And, and so, yeah, I'm so glad that that paid off. But also going back to the question of why is it Tom Cavanaugh? We also have to remember that Thawne lives his life out of order in a huge, huge way. And he continually pops around the time continuum. There is nothing that says that uh, at some point he in the future tries to go back and be Wells for a minute and, and, and somehow gets screwed again. All they have to do is write a two minute scene with him having to take on the Wells face in order to get the doohickey dinglehopper because he wanted to do the bad thing, the thingamabob with, you know, the Legion of Doom and boom, there's your there's your mama, you know, and he's back in the, the Wells face again. So, uh, I mean, there, there's really no reason why they can't go back to that at some point in the future. I would say the only logistical reason they did that isn't because they have another paycheck it's that the best thawn that we have ever had and will ever have is also their best character actor on the show which is tom cavanaugh yeah. and if you get a chance to put him back in the suit you put him back in the damn suit yeah, yeah. I, I think that just ultimately comes down to to really not i won't say not caring but just taking creative license it's the mm. same thing about security at Star Labs, you know. We just accept <laughs> at this point in time that you know, that everyone knows Star Labs. Anyone can get into Star Labs, and that Kavanaugh is the Flash, whatever his face is, or a reverse Flash, whatever his face. Is. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, well, the I mean, but, but to be fair, they've done it in all the shows because anyone can get yeah. into the Arrow Cave who wants to, also. Yeah, so I, know, right? I mean, yeah. it's like <laughs> secret lair. What? <laughs> you know? So. Uh, but I'm sorry, Eric. We we kind of we kind of took that away from you. Did you have anything more you wanted to say about the uh, the season? Well, my personal favorite episode of the season, which should actually come as no surprise, because I think we talked about a certain two parter last season, is uh my personal favorite episode is easily Gorilla Grodd versus mm. Shark. That is so good. It's so amazing they they allowed themselves to do that. <laughs> Because that's not only an expensive choice, that is a crazy way out there choice. And I'm so glad they went for it. Yeah, but I mean, that's also because of the fact that, you know, the technology that they've put into the show now. I mean, one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do, and I'm, I'm just, you know, assuming that everybody's, you know, kind of like dumb, 
is once you build a thing, you have a thing in the digital landscape. So once they built a king shark, they got a king shark. So if they're like, hey, it's going to take us two seasons to build up enough ducats to put it in, but we want to do a Gorilla Grodd versus King Shark episode, and they just kind of plan it out. I mean, there's no reason why they can't do it, obviously, because they did it. And I mean, it was great. And uh, yeah, the CG suffered a little bit because you have two gigantic, expensive characters to render, but they looked pretty good. I, I was pretty happy with it. And-, and when you're dealing with a TV budget, you also kind of squint a little bit at the rough edges. And I don't think that that actually took away from it. You know, there is something to be said for almost a throwback to the old King Kong style of stop motion look, even though it was nowhere remotely like that. But it, the, the edges can sometimes give it a, a feeling of just being fun. And that's what that episode was. That episode was not meant to be heavy or chewy or anything other than, hey, do you want to see a sentient gorilla fight a man shark? I do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my love for Gorilla Grodd is well documented in all courts. And uh, anytime I get to see Gorilla Grodd and go, Grodd, I'm, I'm going to be excited. So it was just, it was fun to see Grodd come back. I mean, that's how you use Grodd. He shows up, he causes hell, then he disappears for a season or two. And then he comes back and he does it again. That That's Grodd. And uh, I love seeing him every time he shows up. I love how they use Nora for that also to like, sort of like give the, the you know, wet the appetite by having her go like, oh, you guys are going to be so amazed when King Shark fights Gorilla Grodd. And I'm like, oh, man, we're getting that episode. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was cool. They let her drop a spoiler. But, yeah, so let's talk about some of these characters a little more. Let's talk about Sherlock because a couple of you brought him up. And, of course, Tom Cavanaugh is, you know, he, he gives us five new wells every season, it seems like. And, you know, here's the thing. Sherlock is a lot of fun, and I really liked him. For a lot of the season, though, I was annoyed because it meant that Ralph had to take a backseat. Because, you know, Ralph is our resident detective. And with Sherlock there, it seemed like Ralph was getting less to do. And I was glad, though, that at the end they let Ralph have, you know, his own, you know, thing that Sherlock didn't figure out. And yeah, I, I love, though, that they had Sherlock plugging away at the, the diary the whole time. He suspected Nora right from the beginning, and it's why I started cluing into things, too, is because if Sherlock hadn't been, like, asking her directed questions every now and then, I probably wouldn't have figured it out. But I had the thought of the reverse flash as soon as he was like, how did you decide when to interfere? Why to interfere? You know, like, he starts asking those questions, and I'm like, oh my god, is this going to turn out to be something, like, with the reverse flash? And it did. Oh my god. But anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but Kavanaugh, he's always so much fun, and I don't know how he does it with characters that are so different, but yeah, he, he was great as Sherlock. But yeah, so, Eric, what, what did you think about Sherlock? Sherlock. Yeah. No, no, no. It's Sherlock. Oh, come on. Subtle variations. No, 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 no. That joke, that, all that, that joke ran thin yes. on the show. It ran, it's already run thin here. No, no more. Stop it. <laughs> no, no. It's a great joke three times, and then it's done. So he did it twice. You got one more. On there you go. <laughs> I freaking love Tom Cavanaugh so much, and he's so, good. so great as a character actor that, you know, bringing in a Sherlock Holmes type Wells in thinking it's not going to work and then by the end of the season you're like okay just like hr and harry before him i i love this version he was great and i think i think what we'll see next season now that they've done sherlock and we might see sherlock a little but i think we'll kind of see the detective part of um the detective part of ralph finally show up more and more 
because I think I think it was them kind of subtly kind of going, especially with the with a line towards the end of the towards the end of the season, which I'm sure we'll talk about more when we get to the finale. But like like I said, I think I think it was a way for them to kind of play around with a Harry that gets to interact with the cast in a different way uh, versus the other Wells that we've seen in the past and getting to see him play with Ralph more and giving Ralph more to do in the season by interacting with this character was definitely a fun, uh, fun note. And yeah, um, Ryan, what do you think about Sherlock? Well, like I said, he was my favorite Harrison Wells so far. I just felt like he had more flair, if you will, than just about any of the others, possible exception being maybe HR. Yeah, I was about to say, HR had a lot of flair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this one seemed like, like a combination. He, if you had all the personality and flair of HR and the intelligence, if just channeled differently, of Earth 2, uh, Wells. Yeah, so, just Harry. Yeah, just Harry. <laughs> before, you know, before the de-intelligencing. But I kind of want to push back on the fact that his presence took away from Ralph. Only in the sense that I, I think it added more because it did create this sort of competition between them. But also, it's, the show has never wanted for detectives. I mean, you've got Joe. Technically, Barry's a detective of, you know, a forensic uh, uh, analyst. You know, yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't necessarily buy that argument. Well, I mean, it's clear, though, that Ralph was not in the show a whole lot this season. Yeah. And I think that's because Sherlock was operating in that wheelhouse of script-wise, they'd had no you know, place for him. Maybe. Or I don't know. I think, I mean, it's a totally different character, but I think uh, Cisco, he was out a lot of episodes as well. I just. I right, don't know. but that's because it, yeah. he wanted to quit. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, that's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but in any event, I think it could also be a budget issue. I mean, if you have, you know, Ralph and you're not going to use his abilities, then he really is nothing but comic relief, unless he is doing some sort of detectiving. And, and again, that's where I think he did work off of uh, Sherlock by being that. Com- he had to step his game up to really get Sherlock to even recognize that he existed. Um, I, I did think it, it was hilarious that Sherlock kept falling in love with the same woman on every Earth. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And I also wonder what the deal is with Earth 1, that all the other Earths are, like, interconnected and travel goes back and forth between them, but no one ever goes to Earth 1. Like, what did we do to tick off the rest of the multiverse? Well, the hilarious thing is, you know, back in Season 2, Harry's the one going, like, you know, on my Earth, I consider that Earth Earth 1. Yeah. And But now, like, everybody uses the same numbering system in the multiverse, you know? It's like, if you say Earth 37, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny, though, is they actually answer that question in Doomsday Clock. Oh, okay. I'm not even kidding. They act, they answered it this last week in that issue. They they flat out said there's a reason why Earth One is Earth One and why like everybody else recognizes it as Earth One. Can can, can we spoil that at all? Since it's not even technically related, or should we just sure? Keep sure. Since on that? this won't come out for a few months, you can you can say it. Okay. So basically, Doomsday Clock has revealed the fact that Earth One is not part of the multiverse. It's actually what they call the metaverse. Which basically means that it is the it is not only the center spoke of all of creation as far as DC is concerned. It also is the place where things contextually change. They continually update because there are always exterior forces trying to influence them, and whatever happens on Earth One ripples outwards. So basically, when the Anti Monitor shows up and he tries to destroy. Uh, Earth-1, and it causes Superman to ripple from the 1930s to 1985, 
all of a sudden the 30 Superman becomes Earth 2 Superman. And when it happened again for the New 52 and so on and so forth, it continues to ripple outwards and so on and so forth because the Earth 1 is the meta-contextual version that all other Earths are based off of. So as it changes, everybody else around them also changes. So once they realized they were Earth 1, everybody else, without even thinking about it, started to contextually consider themselves Earth 37, Earth 42, Earth 99, and so on and so forth. Seems legit. Yeah, I mean, and if that seems like a really crazy what-the-hell explanation, I legit am not even kidding, that's the explanation. It's still better than there are 52 Earths. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, I'm sorry, but yeah, we were talking about the the the, the why Earth 1 is Earth 1 and the jumping around back sure. and forth. Yeah, no, no, I got it. Yeah. Sorry, I derailed. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, yeah, when he had all the ex-wives show up in the hologram thing, that was hilarious, because it's like, wait a minute, it's the same woman. <laughs> Twice. One and of one of them twice. he married twice. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't it be the same woman, though? I mean, when, when you talk about the Council of Wells, I mean, if if all Harrison Wells are going to be some weird, you know, uh, version of themselves, of course, if there's a version of Harry that actually does want to get married, apparently over and over again, of course he would continually look for the same woman just on different Earths to try to find his version of the perfect spouse. I mean, that, that kind of makes a perfect sense when you think about it. So... Uh, did they ever say who Jesse's mom is from Earth 2? Was that Irene? Uh, no. Oh. Yet, but that would be hilarious if it was. That Yeah, that's a good point. But I do think that the original Wells, the Earth 1 Wells, his girlfriend was a different actor. You know, because when Thawne, you know, there yeah. was the car crash yeah. and she died. And yeah, I, I think I don't think that was her. Yeah, but you know what? Now they can bring Irene in and say, oh, she was the one that he dated in high school and they got into an argument. And they were, <laughs> and, and he was about to leave his girlfriend or something. Like, they could easily retcon her back in. That's oh, yeah. true. <laughs> so. I mean, they could still make it the same character as long as, as, long as she wasn't named. You know, they've recast before, so it's not. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. True. <laughs> that's very true. Sarah Lance looks yeah. way different than she used to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> way different. Freckles. That's all I'm saying. Right. Freckles. Um. <laughs> but did you have anything more you wanted to say about Sherlock, Ryan? Not at the moment, but I'm sure I uh, love his hat. But, you know, something will come up, I'm sure. <laughs> sure, sure. And Sean, did you have anything you wanted to add about Sherlock? Well, I did. Um, there was one thing that we all kind of danced around a little bit, um, which I think is it, it's more Ralph-centered than it is Sherlock-centered because we were talking about how Sherlock was taking up a certain version of this role of the detective. We have to remember that Ralph, as he's been presented in The Flash, is not really Ralph Dibney, the elongated man. He's far closer up until this season to Plastic Man. And Plastic Man wasn't really a great detective. Plastic Man was more of a slapstick comedy guy. And the thing is, is that, and this is what I think is really kind of brilliant with what they're doing, is that something that the Flash team and the writers over there, the DCW in general, um, have started doing is they start setting up ideas for the following seasons in, in their previous ones. So in season four, they started setting up the idea that Ralph is no longer going to be slapstick. He's going to start to want to investigate mysteries. We got that big hint at the end of season four where his nose started twinkling, remember? And as you know, that's a big deal inside of the elongated man's mythos. So that was setting up for all of season five, Ralph becoming one of the greatest detectives on the planet. And the only way he can do that is if he is spurned, if he is somehow made to feel threatened in his place inside of the the, the, the the team Flash. So by Sherlock coming in and them having this kind of dynamic where, oh, baby giraffe and, and all that crap, you know, <laughs> which is just so great. That, that description, oh my God, that was so perfect yeah. too because as soon as he said it, it's like, oh my God, he does look like a baby giraffe. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and then by the end of the season, he's like adult giraffe, you know, and, and he gives <laughs> it the title. He's, 
he's grown up a little bit. That was so great, you know, and I, I love that dynamic that we get out of it. Um, but it really allows Ralph to become the character that he's meant to be, which is he was comedy relief for the first part of the season or the, the first, you know, time he showed up, which was basically season four. And then he evolves into a more sophisticated version of himself in season five. And they probably went to the actor and said, hey, look, we're not going to have a lot for you this season because we're setting you up evolutionarily wise you're, you're going to have some moments where you're not going to have a lot of weightlifting in the script because we're slowly building you up to be the sherlock character and by the end of the season we're going to really pay it off by you discovering something that the greatest detective on 37 earths couldn't figure out and they pay that off in spades and i think that's one of the things that i think team flash writers have finally figured out that even though I know a lot of the same creative people go back and forth between the shows, I think that they sometimes kind of forget to use that same logic, say in Supergirl or say in Arrow, mostly in Arrow. But but huh. but with but with Flash, they're really doing a good job of laying seeds, watering them, and then letting them kind of sprout naturally. And I feel like it was a natural evolution of Ralph's character, thanks to Sherlock. And I think that if we didn't have the Sherlock character there, it, it just would have fell flat. It would have just I, I'm I'm sure it would have been fine, but that competition makes it far much more interesting. And and quite frankly, drama is is born of conflict. So having that conflict between these two characters really made it far more meaty, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I felt like in previous seasons, they've introduced some great ideas in The Flash, but they haven't paid off well. This <laughs> is this is the first season since the first one where I felt like all these things, because all the little questions that I had the whole time about, wait a minute, she went back in time and grabbed the dagger, so why doesn't she have the dagger from her own time? Or, you know, there's all these little things that are going on that, like, at the end, it all pays off. And, in fa and right. Ralph's the one that's putting all the pieces together. Yeah. And as soon as Ralph's saying these things, I'm like, yeah, that's something I wondered about too you know and he's thinking about it and i'm like and so that's why i feel like this season they just really stepped up their writing game and again gave us this great season that at the end you feel like everything that you've experienced has been leading up to this moment right and to have ralph sort of be like the centerpiece around that was was really great and did you see the so i said not to talk about the ending but this is kind of like a throwaway thing <laughs> did you see the case that he was picking up in the at the end the name on it I did, but I don't remember it off the top of my head right now. Sue Dearborn. Oh, that's right. That's, that's how he meets his wife. Right. So so next season, I, I think she's going to be in it. Yeah. They Well, they have to. I mean, you know, the, the thing that I love about this show right now is that right now they have three hero characters that they could spin off at any time. You have Killer Frost. Yeah. She could become her own kind of weird, you know, birds of prey kind of thing where she's kind of getting, you know, metas that are a little villainous, but they want to be good on a team. And you could easily have a, a Killer sh a Frost show. And you could easily have a detective, uh, a elongated man, you know, world's greatest detective show with Ralph Dibney and his newly, you know, uh, uh, discovered uh, love interest and soon-to-be bride, uh, uh, Sue. Um, but my only fear is is the more they introduce Sue, the closer we get to identity mm. stuff. And, mm. those, and, if you, and those of you who read the books know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a hard pill. Uh, you know, that's that's a good point, because as you've mentioned before, they rush things too much in the Berlantiverse. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, there's a, yeah, there's, that's a legitimate worry that they would try to rush to identity crisis. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a little afraid about that, but at the same time, I want to see Sue because Sue and Ralph are one of the great love stories in DC. Mm. I mean, basically, you have Clark and Lois. You got, you know, well, for me, you, you have Linda and Wally. People now try to put Barry and Iris up there. And I'm like, did you read the comics? They weren't together that long. <laughs> 
You guys are out of your freaking minds. All their romantic crap happens in the 31st century, okay? Like, they're not even in normal time. We don't see that crap, man. Tornado Twins my ass, okay? I was like, the love story of The Flash is Linda and Wally. Uh Um, But but yeah, Uh like, you know, and then, of course, you have, like, the Black Canary and Green Arrow. You know, you have Sue (laughs) and Ralph. Okay, again, for the comics. For the comics. (laughs) You know, but those are kind of like the great love stories that DC has almost always had in their 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 roster, um, and it's kind of ironic that almost none of them exist in the current iteration. I think we only have about half of those. Well, technically, they do have Lois and Clark because they did introduce them in Elseworlds, but we just get a little smidgen. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, like in the comics, like the the oh, only right. that are currently around right now are Lois and Clark, and well, technically, Green Arrow and, and Black Canary aren't together at this particular moment. But so uh, the four core like romantic like cornerstones of DC for like fifty years or, or like thirty years, they only have one really strong one right now. And again, the reason why we don't have the speedster one is because Heroes in Crisis. And mm. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was about to rant. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, DC. Every time you put Crisis in a name, it's either really good or really bad. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I hope that if they do sue, uh, they, they they do that story correctly, and they really service that character because I mean, she's an honorary member of the Justice League for crying out loud. This woman is a sweetheart, and is you know she she really is kind of like one of those characters that you don't realize how important she is to the story until you realize, oh, well, she may not be a part of the story for X, Y, Z reasons. And then you kind of wonder, kind of like, you know, if, if God forbid, you know, we ever turned around and, you know, they said, hey, you know what, we, we don't need Harry anymore on the story. Or, you know, they, they went ahead and they said, you know, hey, you know, Jesse Martin's, you know, it's really great to have Joe in the show, but is, is he really doing anything anymore for Team Flash? You know what I'm saying, right? You, you see that that fear right there, right? Like, you, you don't want to, that, that's Sue. That's Sue. You don't want to screw with it, okay? So if they go there, they need to be very careful about treading on holy ground. Yeah, although although it is kind of weird because this season, because he had an injury, we, we had so little of Joe. Yeah, what was with that? He, he hurt his elbow or something, right? No, he hurt his back. Oh, it was his back. Okay, right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, yeah, he had to recover. So that's why he's gone for, like, the middle, like, half of the season. He's, like, in the first few episodes of the season, then he's back at the end. And, yeah, it was, it was awkward because some of the episodes right after he left, you could tell they were giving Joe lines to Cecile. Right. And it was kind of like, this is kind of weird for Cecile to be talking about the, you know, the, the West family with Nora and having all this, like, inside knowledge and everything. And I'm like, I mean, I get that you're with Joe, but, like, this is kind of like the talk that Joe should be having with Nora, not you. Well, yeah, but Joe was in Tibet with Wally and the right. baby. <laughs> right. Because, you know, seriously, let, let's just talk about a bunch of characters that we can't have on screen right now. We can't talk about Wally. Okay, he's in Tibet. We can't talk about Joe right now. Okay, he's in Tibet. Do we really want a baby in this season of Flash. No, that baby's in Tibet, jackass. Um, so it's like just anything that doesn't need to be on the show right now, put it in Tibet. You know what? Better the baby's in Tibet than magically aged to an adult. Hey, no, hey you know what? I'm okay with a, a, a little baby uh, 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 Joe. Oh, God, I forgot her name. Uh, I, oh forgot crap, the I forgot her name. Oh, too. no. Oh, God. I forgot Bobby, uh, baby West's name. Oh. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, seriously, if Baby West turned out to be, like, Impulse next season, fine, no problem, you know, like, but just... Oh. I think Ryan's saying it's an overdone trope, though, yeah. of the baby <laughs> that goes to, like, another dimension and ages, like, really fast, or... Hey, I mean, hey don't, guess... don't bring Connor into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we already have the season where Barry's daughter, who hasn't even been born yet, or probably even conceived yet, is here, so, you know, right. might be a bit much. 
Right. Well, no, I think that's the whole reason why... Oh, well, wait, no, we can't right. talk about that yet. Yep. Anyway, yeah, um... <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know to, to, to bring it all the way back to Ralph this season, though, I, I will say that they did a great job of making him the emotional heart of the B-team. Maybe he couldn't... He was there with Cisco, pushing him in the right directions, with Caitlin. I mean, I felt like they found things to do with him that weren't comic relief and that weren't detective stuff. And I, he, I feel like his place in the team is way more secure and important than it ever was before. Oh, absolutely. Th- this season, they carved it out. Sure, we were yeah. talking about Sherlock, right. Um, but with Sherlock, that's what they did with him. And, and they've basically given Ralph purpose now. And I love that about him. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's crystal clear where Ralph sits in the Flash family. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the, it'd be, at the beginning it was played for laughs with the Book of Ralph, yeah. but then, like, when they do things like him taking Cisco to the bar to kind of, like, get him to meet someone and stuff like that, I liked that a whole lot more because that was more of he's looking out for his buddy. Dude, or, the Book of Ralph was amazing. Right, no, <laughs> But the flip side of that is when he says it's not for him, that, you know, love isn't for him right. or whatever. And that's just the gravitas of that actor. And my heart broke just when he said that line. It's that's just credit to him. I mean, what is it? You know, the clowns have the saddest faces, or however. The oh, the, the the yeah, the Pagliacci uh, metaphor. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, the the guy who goes to the therapist and says, "I'm sad all the time. I'm, I'm I can't ever smile. I can never yeah. do anything." And, yeah, and he says, "Oh, you should go see the famous clown Pagliacci. He he makes everybody laugh." And he and the the, the man starts to cry, and he goes, "Why are you crying?" And he goes, "I'm Pagliacci." Pagliacci. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's that's Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I know. And yeah, it was that that was that was great because they're giving him like levels instead of just having him be silly dude all the time. And so it's like I don't want them to get rid of the fun, but it's okay to every once in a while have Ralph get serious also. So I really like that. And that and you know, honestly, that's what last season, like the lines that hurt the most, right, was when Ralph like tells Barry, You've already saved me as he's being taken over by DeVoe and stuff like that. Right, yeah. Oh my god. But he also <laughs> had but he also had some of the best lines because it's like, wait a minute, you're the flash? Now I gotta hate the flash. Right. Still one of the best lines like ever. I love that. That like the, the, the thing about Ralph is that Ralph is th- you know what Ralph is? I just realized what Ralph is. Ralph is the little kid they introduced in season four to try to boost ratings. Except he's not the little kid, you know, but and he actually did succeed in boosting like, like the like, energy of the show. Like when the Cosbys start taking in every cousin, niece, nephew. Right, exactly, right? Like I mean that's basically who Ralph was metaphorically for this show. And it totally works. I mean, he he absolutely was the needed shot in the arm uh, for this show. And, and I'm so glad they did it because it, it has paid off in, in spades. And, and I can't wait to see where they go with him next uh, because he's just he's been a delightful addition. Um, and, and that's we're talking about in a cast of characters that everybody is so strong. I mean, literally, we're talking about this is the cast with Tom Cavanaugh and, and, and Jesse Martin in it. You know what I mean? Those are like two of their strongest actors. You know, and, and, and here comes, you know, Ralph and he He's just been killing it for two seasons now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do the parallel, I think Belanti, or more importantly, his team, they're learning the lessons of Arrow. They're, they're in a lot of ways, they're following similar patterns. I mean, at the same time Ragman was in the you know, season-wise. and But they've learned how to do it right. And, and they're learning that the, you can take these risks, but you've they know their audience better, I think, than they did at this point in time in Arrow. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's fair. We've been talking quite a bit, though, and Eric, we haven't given you a chance to say anything. Did you have anything you wanted to add about Ralph? Nope. Uh, I'll, I'll play it, 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 I'll play it. 
No, I was totally joking. How did my my voice come from over there? What's going on? (laughs) And it got way deeper, too. No, yes, it did. In a deeper baritone. What the hell? No, I'm just being stupid. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, I love the actor, and I love the character, and I didn't notice that it was Sue's name on that case, so that really excites me, actually. I cannot wait for next season, especially to hear about the casting. Though I'd, I'd probably prefer it to be an unknown you know what i mean like sure you want it you wouldn't want it to be a known actress you'd want it to be like a new actress that can bring her take on to something but um no i'm really excited for his journey next season because i really i mean like i said i really think bringing in sherlock was a double-edged sword to not only help ralph but you know have another harrison wells sherlock who is awesome but a double-edged sword of giving ralph the to see an awesome detective one of these days i i swear it may be maybe in crisis we'll see de- a tease that actually i could see it being a uh, legends of tomorrow thing detective champ i'm just saying <laughs> just saying you, you just keep you just keep uh like hoisting that flag eric <laughs> I, I mean but to be hey. fair though the, the only way that we get detective champ is if they're bold enough to go shadow packed i think that's and if true. we and if we got shadow packed, holy crap! You're going to get Blue Devil. You're going to get the Shining uh, Horseman. You're going to get um. We oh, do so. have Blue Devil, Swamp Thing. Well, yeah, but I mean, have we confirmed that that's in the same? I know it's produced by Berlanti and whatnot, but have we confirmed that they're sharing a universe? It depends on what they do with Crisis, because I could see yeah. Crisis throwing throwing out a nod to uh, Teen Titans and Doom Patrol and, uh, well, and I even mean, Swamp Thing. Well, I mean, with the with the, uh, the 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 crisis on multiple Earths, I forgot what they called it this season. But the cross, what was a crisis on multiple? Oh, Elseworlds. Elseworlds, sorry, Elseworlds, it was, it was Elseworlds right? Um, yeah, uh, but with, with Elseworlds and them totally talking about Batman and how you know we have Batman and Batman's been around and and we have Batwoman and you're like, oh crap! That basically means that in theory, Titans takes place in the same universe as the rest of this, which means Doom Patrol thought... takes place as the rest of this, which means that technically Swamp Thing could take place in the Berlantiverse, which would be really cool if they actually nutted up and went that way. I thought they confirmed that, though. Like, I thought they confirmed that before they started shooting those shows, since it was a Berlanti production. I thought they said it was all connected. It's always been fan speculation. No one official has ever said it. And I think that the reason is that they know that there could be some backlash if it's like, oh, you know, these are all in the same universe. So to see the rest of the story, sign up for the DC universe to watch Titans and Doom Patrol and all that. And people would be like, you know, you're forcing me to like buy this service to get the rest of the story. And I'm not, you know, happy with that. Yeah, that would be a mistake. That would be a huge mistake. And just even if they are technically happening in the same universe, we don't know that they're happening at the same time. Considering who they've cast as Bruce Wayne and Titans, I, I don't know. I just don't see that being a parallel to yeah, that's uh, true. Batwoman. Right. Well, I don't even if they, they if they ever even show him on Batwoman. I mean, I would hope that they kind of avoid that because in Batwoman, they made it sound like, you know, he's been gone for quite a while yeah. and she's taken the, the, the family. So Titans could be in the past of, you know, this. So th- there could be no overlap if they tried. I don't know. I mean, we're all speculating. here. But who knows? <laughs> and I was going to the last thing I was going to say is connected to all that is the fact that uh. Well, well, yes, I do love Legends of Tomorrow. If you want to see something go full comic book, watch Doom Patrol. <laughs> that was Sean's own four No, no, my, my, yeah, my, yeah, my sigh is because I can't believe they actually... Okay, guys, I'm going to give you a spoiler. 
This is not a spoiler because unless you are a Doom Patrol fan, and I'm not talking about the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol. I'm talking like the 1960s Doom Patrol. They actually had the steel cojones to introduce the animal vegetable mineral man. And if that sounds as ridiculous as I just said, that's because it really is. Okay, (laughs) there is a character called the animal mineral vegetable man, and he literally he literally looks like one arm is basically celery and various plants. He has one leg that is made out of, like, rock salts, and I swear to God, he's got an arm that looks like it's a T-Rex Velociraptor thing, and he actually has a Velociraptor head sitting next to his actual head. If you do not believe me, Google it. It is real thing, and it was, and he showed up on Doom Patrol. He, they went, they, they, to, to, to quote Tropic Thunder, they kind of went full retard. And it kind of worked. I mean, you know, like hey, it, Sean, you don't have to sell the show for me. They had me at Timothy Dalton. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, I mean, whew, I mean, it, it, dude. I, I, I am amazed that they went there. I'm kind of aghast that they went there. Like, are you kidding me? Did they do that? They totally did that. <laughs> I mean, Marvel had a talking raccoon, so they figured, screw it. Yeah. All right. Let's not get too far into the weeds here. But all right. So let's bring everyone down and talk about Cisco a little bit. Oh. <laughs> if we have to. You know what? Cisco's not been the same since his brother died. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks, Damn it, Barry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the thing with Cisco, I mean, because this is the thing. So even if Carlos felt it, and this is the, this is the other weird thing. We've got no confirmation that he's leaving the series, so I think there's some sort of negotiation going on or something where even if he's not a regular next season, they might pull him in for like eight episodes or something or whatever. But even if he wanted to leave, and that was the whole reason why they did what they did with Cisco, it makes no sense for his character, and there are other ways to write him out. You know, that doesn't like, oh, by the way, you know, the fact that I've always been obsessed with superheroes and I've wanted to be one myself and everything else, it's like, oh, guess what? I don't want any of that anymore. And it was just like, what? What What am I? And in fact, I'm not only going to do that, I'm going to try to like cure all metas because now I see it as like a disease or something. And it's like, and I mean, and and Caitlin's the one that has to be like, wait, no, 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 no. Only ones who want it. Because she didn't say that. Cisco was like about to like, just like wipe the world of meta, not the way Cicada does, but like just like curing them all. And it's just like, this is not Cisco. Who is this character? He was going to drop the gene bomb on everybody, you know? It's like, what the? When did you become a Korean human? What the hell is this? Like, I mean, like, seriously, it was that level of kind of just callousness that doesn't it doesn't ring true to the cisco character and i think that you know i think if on one hand we talk about how they very strategically set up ralph's journey over season five in season four they did not remotely even think about this until they got into season five and then they basically realized oh wait the guy who's always wanted to be a superhero who's obsessed with superheroes now it wants to leave the show. We have to write him out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do sit down and I, I, I'm I'm kind of like I, I have a hard time with this whole thing because I want to take Carlos Valdez to the side. I was like, dude, how many times has somebody said I want to go pursue other things and then they're never heard from again off of a successful TV show that you're taking a huge gamble. You hope that you're going to become Jennifer Aniston. But chances are you're going to be that other girl from Friends that nobody knows about. <laughs> 
Well, and it's like what happened with Wynn on Supergirl yeah. last season. He was going off to bigger and better things, and who's heard exactly. of what he's been doing and if that's over the last something year? That they want, and, and that's something that's going to make them feel creatively happy. God bless. Hope it works out. But you know, I think that a lot of actors they, they're in those situations that they think they're bigger than the role, and they get out of that, and they realize that the role kind of defined them. And I think a perfect example is kind of William Shatner with you know his his back and forth with the fans and how he you know was Kirk, but he wasn't Kirk, and then he fought you know this that or the other, or even Harrison. Ford, you know, talking about the fact that every time he plays a character from the Lucasverse, this is the last time I'm playing Han Solo, this is the last time I'm playing Indiana Jones, but then he realizes crap, if I if I don't keep coming back to the well you know, people start to forget about me you know, uh, you know granted Harrison Ford's a little bit more of a, a rogue comment on that one, you know, he, he's been able to have a lot more successful franchises, but I, I do think that it is something that you kind of have to kind of look at and go, is this the right call? And Carlos Valdez feels like it's going to be, but I, I fear for him. I fear for him and I fear for his success. Um, I hope it works, but yeah, whatever's happening behind the scenes, the, we, we saw too much of the, the, the sausage being made this season when it comes to, to Cisco. <laughs> well, and the weird thing was like at the very end, they try to justify it by being like, I don't want to be defined by my powers, but I'm like, you know, that would have been a great, if that hadn't been, like, if we hadn't already had the whole, I hate powers, I hate metas, I'm going to cure them all, like, storyline that you yeah. had already done, you know? So it's like, they tried to tack that on as the reason, but I'm like, but it doesn't really fit after you've already been going that way this mm. whole season for a completely yeah. different reason. So it was awkward. And then he only says goodbye to Caitlin. He doesn't say goodbye to anyone else. And that felt, like, really weird, too. That's why I think maybe there's some negotiations going on. So they wanted to do, like, a if he is gone next season, we've kind of addressed it. But if he's not gone, we can always say, like, oh, he just left for a little bit, and now he's back, or I don't know. It just felt really awkward. Right. He went on He went on sabbatical, kind of, I guess. Like, it, it, it's just, read, it's weird. I read one of those stories from it was, like, the TV line or the variety or, you know, like one of those sites that said he definitely wasn't returning next season. Yeah, but nobody official has announced that. I've seen okay. speculation on it, but no one's been quote. No one involved in the production has been quoted as saying he's out. I know people had their problems with this. I was always a Cisco fan until this season when suddenly it's like, why is he creating the legacy virus? Because you know that was where that was going. If they really <laughs> that. Oh, I didn't think about that, but you're right. That's kind of like the legacy virus. No, not like the legacy virus. You know if that storyline kept going, that was where that was heading. <laughs> hey, I mean, X-Men wasn't using it, so they might as well. <laughs> True, but still. But it's just, like you guys said, it's completely out of character for Cisco of all people, to suddenly be like, you know, all metas are bad. We need to heal all the metas. But I mean, we we it was weird because we got that through line throughout the season with different like Barry giving the cure to King Shark at one point. Caitlin was even questioning it, questioning things, especially when her dad showed up, which, by the way, Icicle, that was a great addition to the season. But uh, I know we'll talk about we'll talk about it since we haven't talked about Taylor Frost yet. It's just it it was this weird thing that like suddenly all the characters kind of had these forced moments. And I mean, I was glad to see the fact that Barry apologized for it in the King Shark episode because it's like, yeah, no, Barry, that's that's not you, man. <laughs> what you did is not you. 
Yeah, it was it was really hard watching Cisco, and they kept I mean they kept like trying to like find excuses for like you know so it's like okay so first it's you know Cisco doesn't like his powers then it's oh but now he's got shards of the dagger in him so he can't even use his powers and but then they dropped that you know where those got extracted it's like they kept trying to find like what's the right excuse for writing Cisco out of the show and how can we do this and it just felt like this weird jumbled mess that didn't work at all. I mean, they could have literally had him jump to another world, you know? Right! <laughs> Why not say, like, oh, Gypsy wants to patch things up or whatever, but he's got to go to her Earth, and he says goodbye to everybody. I mean, that would have worked. He takes her, her father up on his offer, you know? I mean, right. there were so many possibilities. But the thing that got me about the whole philosophical arguments going around with with the cure was the... I, I Fine, I get, like, the, the regular meta on the street. We need to ask them. We need their permission. We can't just dump it in the municipal drinking water. But... You don't need Cicada's permission, okay? I mean, they're literally locking people up you know, in, in in Star Labs. They, they've obviously never cared too much about civil rights before. So I don't know. If, <laughs> if you're a villain and you're killing – if you're committing genocide of a sort, then, yeah, you, they can use the, the cure on Cicada without permission. That's totally well, it, well it, even worse was when they went – you know, because remember, Grace wasn't kidnapped for a few episodes after future Cicada shows up. It's like – why not use it on Grace? Her parental guardian already gave his permission. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so that's the way to get rid of future Cicada is to cure her younger self, and then you would be free of it. You know, and that was the thing where they're like, oh, we need Grace's permission. I'm like, her, her, basically her father, you know, her parental guardian before he died said that, it, you know, said, yeah, <laughs> once he was done, do her. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, oh, God, that annoyed me that they, that, that one I felt like, yeah, I mean, you should be doing that. She's in a coma. She can't speak for herself. Mm -hmm. Her her dad gave permission. Do it. Oh, yeah. and by the way, she's killing people in the future. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the, the killing people in the future thing is always baby Hitler talk, right? You know, like, you right. know, well, if we kill baby Hitler, you know, then we don't have to worry about it. You know, and unless you're Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool 2, you know, you really don't have a good excuse as to why you're actually going to kill baby Hitler. You know, I mean, there there is a certain bit of predestination paradox that you have to worry about, uh, which is always kind of a weird thing to, to discuss. But I think well, I, some... I would grant you that if they were talking about killing Grace, but they weren't. They were talking about removing her powers. Well, I, mean, I don't I, I think that the thing that we're forgetting is the fact that and, and maybe it's because I'm very sensitive to atomic rights. And I don't mean atomic like as a nuclear power. I mean, like your, your autonomic rights. People have control over their body, and every time that you take away a person's ability to make a decision about themselves, it, except, of course, in the fact that, you know, when she's a young child, you know, but, you know, taking it away from an adult, I always kind of squint at I'd be like, uh, even if the person is doing bad things with whatever their, their brilliance is, you know, like, for instance, you know, like if somebody's just extremely smart and you go, hey, you know, this person's really smart, they're using their smarts for some pretty dastardly deeds, let's just lobotomize them, you know, or let's, you know, take them down a couple IQ points by, you know, doping them every single day or something. You know, like, there is something about that that really sticks with me. And I think that's because they're, they're, that does get to an issue for me that's more about preserving a person's ability to be themselves, whoever they are. And I think that if you're going to address that in The Flash, that's the crux of your whole season, not this weird throwaway gag with Carlos Valdez, you know, negotiating his, you know, contract re-up from season, you know, six through eight or something. You know, that's, that's your season. That whole concept is your season, not this weird Z-plot yeah. that they kind of tried to crack. In. And I think that that's ultimately where I kind of fall on that one, which is if you're going to go there, you got to go there. And if you're not committed to it fully, you just got to kind of leave that baby in the water. 
I'm guessing he must have floored them when he said that, hey, I'm thinking about leaving, because that's the only way I can explain how poorly they, like, like I said, they went multiple directions with it, you know, tried to, like, like, they were trying to think of, like, what's the excuse, you know, how can we do this, and it's just like, oh, man, yeah, I'm guessing he surprised them with it, because otherwise that was just bad. I, I mean, if that was their creative vision from the beginning of the season, what the hell? I, I, I just like I, I would sit down with them and I want to ask them who hurt you this year, you know? Like seriously, like who hurt you that made you think this was an acceptable choice for a season's character? You know, like you know, clearly something bad was happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to Caitlin because there's another character where I think like, or I think that even though I don't think they planned it from the moment they introduced the concept of Killer Frost in season okay. two. It seems like they did a great job of pulling together what they had already established. And, you know, like, I just happened to watch the episode with... Because my mom and I, when she visits, we watch a little bit of Flash or Arrow or whatever. And so we had just happened to watch the the season three episode when Caitlin is just starting to to turn into Mm -hmm. Killer Frost after Flashpoint Mm -hmm. and goes to her mother. And then, you know, with, you know, with what I'm watching currently, then I was watching the episodes with Caitlin's mother, you know, in season five. Right. And I'm like, it was really cool how that worked, because when you look back at that season, you can easily interpret it as mother is not surprised at the ice path. She's way less surprised than you would expect her to be. Now, I think they wanted it, they you know, to be like, well, the mother is really emotionless and cold, you know, is what they were trying to, like, convey originally. But now with hindsight and what was going on with her dad and everything else, it still works because it's like, oh, she expected that this might happen someday to Caitlyn or something like that. So, again, I I feel like they did a good job of sort of, like, connecting the dots of what we already knew about Caitlyn's past and what we've seen of her mother and everything Mm -hmm. and, like, doing a new storyline with it. And so I really liked that. I really liked establishing her father as Icicle. I wish that he wasn't, he was around for more than two episodes, <laughs> you know, because that just kind of felt like, okay, you establish your dad, he's a villain, there was some great trauma there, and then, oh, he's dead. Okay. You know, <laughs> I gotta be honest, I, I think I'm in the minority on this one. Um, uh, I'm very glad that Icicle was only in two episodes. I thought the concept of Icicle was cool, For please forgive that pun. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like the execution of Icicle came off as, as just way too arch. Uh-huh. I, and he just I, I got to the end of his story and i was like thank god he's dead you know like i mean it was really I, hey hey sean we got a battle with two people on ice slides okay, again, okay? there were there were positive <laughs> moments okay and 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 iceman battles was cool i mean i admit iceman battles was definitely worth the price of admission but there was just a lot of that story where i was like okay i get the dad and the and the whole okay he's developing the metagene independently kind of thing and i dug all that and i dug how he got there and i dug how the manifestation of these powers is a completely separate and whole personality and and his version of killer frost is icicle i dug all that i was like all right cool i'm, I'm down with all that story but it's just like he kind of felt like a guy that needed another season before i saw him again twice in one year just felt like a little too much for me <laughs> Like, I just, I couldn't get behind Icicle. Now, that said, I feel like he was the lowest part of the Caitlyn storyline overall. I think Caitlyn had a really interesting storyline. Her trying to get back her powers and then finally kind of going kaboom, Killer Frost was really great. I I love getting that, that, that kind of almost explosive return of her powers. I thought that was really fantastic. And I like the fact that they explored 
the idea that not all metahumans come from dark matter because, you know, I was like, that's really kind of a, a, a spiffy sidebar. I think the only downside to that is, you know, when they introduced Killer Frost, like you said, back in season three after Flashpoint and how, you know, her mom's not surprised or her mom's acting cold, uh, so to speak, towards her. I, I really get the impression that every version of Killer Frost was generated from the dark matter. And the whole reason why the thinker's powers to turn off her powers was because it was dark matter related. And then here in season five, we're like, nope, nope, her dad did it. And I was like, well, then why did the ability to turn off dark matter powers work on her last season? And I think that's the one thing they just, they, they just have to kind of say squint, please, and just let it go. I think they did. You might have missed it, but I, there was an episode where I'm almost sure they said this, that she thought he was using the, the power dampening power, but he was actually using the telepath power to shut down Killer yeah. Frost. Like, he yeah. went into her head and convinced her that there was no Killer Frost anymore. And so I, I, I think they did explain that this season, unless I'm just no, making that I, up. I, I, I remember that. I think I remember that. hearing that, too. I, but again, that just sounds so squint-worthy to me. Like, it... it it sure. really does feel like a squint. It's basically like, look, you got Killer Frost back, you ungrateful sons of bitches. You know, like, and I'm fine with that because sometimes, for the sake of storytelling, you gotta have, um, you have to have a, a Flash remnants kill themselves so you can defeat Savitar. So I guess that, that's that, that, that's, that's where I'm at with that particular story point. Okay, for me, that's what that story point is. It's like really, really, that's basically what it is. I, I was really disappointed they went back to Time Remnants this oh, season. Jesus. Yes, still, <laughs> oh my god, the Time Remnants. Because that's the one concept with Speedsters where I'm just like, no, no, I don't want the like infinite replication oh power. Oh god, the stupid Time... And, and, but, oh, you know what? The less set of Time Remnants, the better. The point is, is that I felt that it was the weakest part of her story, that and Icicle. But, I, I mean, as far as like how her and Killer Frost have started to have this really great symbiotic relationship, and how they're almost sisters sharing a body, that was all great. I felt like, you know, quite frankly, Caitlin had a really hard time in the first few seasons. You know, she was basically the smartass who had an extraordinary intellect and she was basically the cleric of the D&D group right oh I gotta patch up the team well they kept giving her love interests that turned out to be horrible people yeah, or, you know, you know? <laughs> and, and as she evolved you you really got a sense that they were finding a place for her just like they found a place for Ralph and just like they found a place for Cisco until a guy decided you want to leave or something and, and I really feel like they've, they've really found a great place for her to be and I love the fact that behind the scenes Danielle Panabecker has become far more involved in the production of the show uh, they I mean, they had that big hype of the fact that she actually directed an episode this season, um, which was really kind of cool because she's taken the, the far smarter role, which is lean into the curve, become a master of multiple fields. So that way you're always employed. I mean, I, I don't I'm, I'm not, I don't make grand gestures here, but I mean, it's easily seen that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, Danielle Panabecker might be as well known for her directing of TV shows and or movies as she was as an actress in her younger years. Um, and that's kind of like a great thing to see. So we see both sides of that particular coin going on right now i will sidebar just really quick and say that i have read an article where the berlanti group is trying to cultivate female directors actively right and that you know they're they're basically saying like yeah we keep getting told like oh no this person doesn't have any experience directing superhero television and it's like if you don't give anyone a chance how do you get women who are you know who have experience directing superhero television absolutely yeah so they're they're trying to do that and if he's going to put out three shows, three new shows every season, he's going to need all the directors he can get, you know? <laughs> but but I, I do think that it's kind of interesting 
that uh, Caitlin's arc over the entire series has been like season one, her love interest dies. Season two, her love interest is a villain. Season three, her love interest leaves. And, you know, finally, she's learned to love herself. Well, that's true. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's very interesting because, yeah, I was just thinking about the fact that, oh, yeah, like, whatever happened to Julian? <laughs> you know, it's like, you bring, I, I would love to have somebody be like, hey, what happened to Julian? Everybody's like, who? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's right. like, and then Barry just starts whistling and walking away. It's like, oh, erased him from the timeline. Says, somebody goes, wait a minute. Yeah, there was a guy named Julian. And Barry goes, no, there wasn't. No, Flashpoint 2. <laughs> Flashpoint 2, bitches. No, I went back and I killed Julian. That guy was a prick. You know, and he was mean to Harry Potter when they were kids. And I was like, nobody gets away with that with Harry. And I killed him. <laughs> and he just walks off just dead face. That's how you win the Flash. You find out that he just kills, like, he, he just killed him just, like, flat out. Like, no, nobody does that to Harry Potter and lives. It just walks off into the sunset. And you just have, like, that sad Hulk music and then done. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so, Eric, did you, did you have anything you wanted to say about Killer Frost? That's one of the highlights of the season is everything going on with Killer Frost. And I kind of lean towards Sean's uh, thing when it comes to Icicle. Because, I mean, I love Icicle. Uh, the Injustice Society has always been a huge fanboy moment for me. So the second I hear I Icicle's name and it finally clicks into my head what they were doing with her father, I was just like, wait a minute. And I'm like, no way. And then I'm like, eh. like I won't, like I did love what they did. But, like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, we've used maybe about, like, 25-30% of the mad scientists in the DC universe. There's plenty of of source they could have they thrown in there of one of the many mad scientists to kind of explain that as Caitlin's dad. I feel like that would be far less... Uh, I mean, obviously, Icicle makes sense with the way they did it, but it's still like, hey, you got plenty of mad scientists you could have thrown into the mix that you you haven't used in any of these shows yet that you easily could have used there. Plot twist. Caitlin's father is Lex Luthor of Earth One. Well, I, I mean, no, they could have even like, they, I mean, it would have totally broken the world if they had done this. But right. They could have they could have done the um, they could have done the Victor Freeze kind of thing. You know, Victor oh, Freeze yeah. is her dad. You know, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I, I think Icicle was fine. He was just when he finally went full Icicle, it was so arch. It was it was a little much for me. <laughs> well, I like the fact that they're remembering now the whole point of having, you know, because, because you know, Snart was so cool and so charismatic that they yep. transitioned him to being a good guy so quickly. Mm -hmm. But they're remembering finally that, oh, yeah, the Flash's big weakness is cold because when you slow down molecules, right. they can't go fast. And so it was nice to have a villain that actually could really hurt Barry. You know, because a lot of times it's just like, you know, Barry's so, like, if Barry's using his head and using his powers, like, none of these villains can touch him or do anything to him. So right. I also appreciated that, that they were remembering that, that that's, like, really his real weakness and, you know, putting him in some dangerous situations and stuff. Absolutely. But, of course, then they, they, they wipe him out, you know, and it's like, okay, well, no more icicle you know so it's like every time they well but they've hinted well. that the mom is gonna turn into a, a version of they did icicle right right you know lady icicle and, or something so, and again yeah. we've got so many other earths and so many other timelines that no one can, is ever gone that they want to bring back oh my god all of a sudden like we're that weird no one's ever really gone if you don't forget them you know i've already deleted that episode <laughs> <laughs> we just got to go to that earth and there they are oh, <laughs> oh by the way and i'm sorry since we were talking about multiple earths there for a second um I, I do need to make one really just 
just bitchy moment here, um, which is when they introduce Supergirl to Earth-1 and they talk about the fact that the Danvers do not exist at all in any capacity on Earth-1. What the hell is her sister doing there when they have the Elseworld happen? Did they establish that there were no... I remember that yes! they established there was no Barry in Supergirl's Earth, but and I don't remember them ever saying they, Alex didn't they, exist. They said that there were no Danverses. They, basically, like all they, they said that those characters were not intermixing. Hmm. And so like then all of a sudden, Alex just shows up. But anyways, we'll get to that. But just... Oh, right. <laughs> that, that just bugged me. But hopefully, you know, Supergirl's icicle is a little less arch and a little more villainous. Yeah. I mean, we've already established that Batman is on both of both Earths because Kara knows the Batman on her Earth, yeah. and, and there's one on Earth One also. Yeah, but I mean, again, me ripping on on Icicle is basically me kind of picking at that one topping on a really delicious pizza that was completely <laughs> great. That was Killer Frost. Killer Frost was a lot of fun this year. Uh-huh. So uh, let's talk about. I mean, we've kind of talked about Iris. I don't know if anyone really wants to talk anymore about Iris. Uh. We've kind of talked about Nora. <laughs> We've kind of avoided talking about Barry um, so far, which is kind of sad since he's the the star of the show. Is he? Uh, is he? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> on paper, he's the star of the show. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, it's a good point to bring up though, because I feel like everyone else was far more interesting this season than Barry was. Whenever Wells is back, though, that always ups grant gustin's game is, is when he's interacting with thawne and you know so we got some good stuff at the end i feel like but yeah otherwise it was a lot of hey nora you know how i always said like, keep everything from iris and wally you can't be the flash and you know i've always tried to, and and ralph you can't help nora now it's your turn <laughs> for like the first few episodes and so it was kind of we got a little bit of that barry back again before i'd watch more barry i'd rather have a series about you know, Cecile or any of the other characters. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's empathic DA, come on. You know? but, well, no, uh, she's yeah. empathic now. She's empathic. empathic. She's yes. empathic. <laughs> she's, the, she's literally the Deanna Troy of the Flash team now. <laughs> yep. I yep. sense pain. <laughs> but the one thing I will say about Barry, and maybe this gets towards the end of the season or whatever, but at least Singh finally admitted that he knew who Barry, I mean, yes. you know, it's a, how can you not figure these out? I'm sorry. You know? That ending with Sing was one of the things I loved about that last episode. Yeah. And no, it's not the big thing that I wanted to say yeah. to the end, so we can talk about that. But but yeah, it's just the fact that not only does he promote Joe, which which might also be because uh, Jesse L. Martin is, is you know, he I don't know if his injury means that he can't do, you know, uh, anything, you know, as much moving forward. But also that, yeah, he's just like, yeah, and so you have the Flash helping you, because, of course, I know, because I'm a detective. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, I did earn this position legitimately. You know, I didn't have the Flash coming in helping with all my cases. Yeah, flipping pots. Yeah, your lab work used to take six months, but now you can get it done in six minutes. I can figure this out. <laughs> By the way, Joe, your arrest rate has gone through the roof since the Flash <laughs> showed up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Man, if that ver- you know, that's kind of like the version of Sing that we get in the comic books. Like the version of Sing that we get in the actual uh, uh, show is a way nicer version of this character. It would have been funny if they actually kind of tossed back just for a second to like the really bitchy version of Sing, <laughs> where he's just constantly just a jerk to everybody. But no, I-, I mean, it was great to actually have him just flat out say, "Yeah, of course I know you're the Flash." Duh. Like, who else would it be? You know, it- it's almost a no-brainer. It- it's almost to the point of them exposing the ridiculousness of Barry trying to keep his identity from yeah. his his uh, enemies because they all figure it out within you know the first six or seven episodes. Anyways, might as well go public. Hint, hint, people, come I on. I know, isn't it weird? that they've gone that route with the green arrow of all people but not with the flash right like what the heck is wrong with them 
The Flash is a hero that lives his light out during the day. He's mostly a daylight character. He's a character who is upfront and honest. He believes that being transparent and showing that he's one of the guys is one of his greatest strengths. And because of that, people know who he is. Now, granted, Barry was much more private about it than Wally was. Wally really ran into it. Yeah. But as I've said on multiple times before this, this version of Barry is far closer to a Wally West character than he ever was to the 60s and 70s version of Barry. So it's like, roll into the curve here, guys. If you're going Wally, go full Wally. He's the Flash. You know, but they don't do it. Yeah, I, you know, but I'm going to give Barry a pass on the fact that, you know, like I make the joke about how he's always trying to restrain everybody. But when he found out that Nora had been working with Thawne, that's the one time that I, because it was a gut reaction. It was visceral. She worked with the person that had murdered his mother in front of him. And yeah. I feel like him like giving her a timeout, basically. Because we never know what would have happened if, like, things had just been left to lie. Like, Iris hadn't gone into the future or whatever. Like, he would have gone back for Nora, you know, eventually right. and been like, you know, I'm sorry, but you made me upset. But because Iris had to take everything into her own hands and solve it within five minutes, you know, and not let people cool down, you know, uh, everything started happening the way it did. But, yeah, I, I kind of give that one a pass because I, I totally get the headspace that he was in. And I feel like everyone, you know, I feel like everyone who was kind of like, oh, Barry, you're a little extreme, was kind of like, remember who we're dealing with, <laughs> you know? It's like, not to say that people can't change, but there are certain people that have, you know, exhibited a pattern of behavior, <laughs> you know? It's, kinda, yeah. it's much harder to let that, you know, say that they might have just redeemed themselves. I mean... It's the same guy who went back in time. How many times? Yeah, it's it's just it's a different impulsive, irrational action. But yeah, it's Barry. It was Barry one hundred percent. And I, I, you know, I will defend Iris. To, I, I do think she's she's the character's not written great, but it, it, she wasn't. I don't think she's as terrible as everyone makes her out to be. But you know, there there you had it here, folks. Iris fan, <laughs> Ryan Guthrie. <laughs> Iris defender, not fan. There's a difference. <laughs> I think if we ultimately boil down to the reason why Iris doesn't work, and I think this is ultimately a mistake of how they introduced her character, is they made her feel petty in the first season. She truly felt petty in the first season. Oh, I'm kind of in love with the Flash. And they were doing that weird Lois Lane is in love with Superman thing, and it didn't quite work, and then she realizes that Barry is the Flash, and oh, well, am I more in love with Barry, or am I more in love with the fact that he's the Flash? And the fact that they had grown up together it was just a yeah. it was a it was a weird thing all the way around ryan and i are laughing because we had a long conversation with somebody on facebook like a year or so ago about this who was like they're not brother and sister and we're like we know they're not literally Biology. brother and sister but they're like adopted brother and sister and that's just as weird it's, it's a bizarre thing you know and you have that kind of looming over the whole specter of it and, and quite Quite frankly, it's the thing that that makes it just odd. You know, it, it makes it an yeah. odd pairing. Whereas, you know, in the comics, Barry and Iris were were people who found each other in their early twenties, you know, mid twenties or so, um, at the height of their careers. They were people who were challenging one another over and over again, and because of that, their dynamic was much more that of capable companions. And, and 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 worthy adversary almost to the fact that they said we're better together than we are apart and then you look at what they did in the show and they basically made Barry a puppy dog who was chasing her and say please find me worthy and then one day she says I deem you worthy and that has completely spoiled that dynamic 
from the get-go. Again, this isn't a problem with Candace Patton. This isn't a problem with anything they've done with the actors. It just happens to be a really horrible dynamic they introduced all at the beginning, and it makes her feel petty. And yes. there is, and they've tried to rewrite it a million times, and she keeps professing, I've always loved you, and I just didn't realize what it was, and, and I will always love you. And and there are moments where I'm truly moved by the their relationship because I feel like they're almost there. And then as soon as I start really getting on the Irish train... You put a freaking power damper on your daughter for 25 years because you're just a bitch. And then I'm, just, I'm back on the Iris what the hell train, you know? And yep. they, they... Well, 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 here's the thing. And here's the weird part. Are we, is is Nora from the timeline where Argus criminalized all metahumans or not? Because if she's from that timeline, then I get Iris's actions because she, then she was protecting her daughter by hiding the fact that she was a metahuman. And that makes sense. Now, with what happened in yeah. Legends in the end of the season, they've erased that timeline, yeah. so God knows, you know, but but since we've already seen that that's a potential future, I was operating under the assumption that maybe Nora lived in that world, and in which case, then I can sort of see what Iris is doing. But do we ever get an explanation that that's why she did it? No. We just learned that she implanted that in her daughter, but we never get to watch. Yeah. You know, and, and that might be, and it might be a nod towards Legends. That might be their, hey, if you're paying attention to this other show, you know what's going on. Um, but even then, if the so now we're saying not only did well crap we can't talk about it yet. All I'm saying is <laughs> double whammy. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I mean Iris may have had some legitimate reasons for that, it, which just come from her history with speedsters and everything, which right. makes perfect sense. And who and what maybe that future version of Iris, the knowledge she had that we are not aware that she had yet. Uh, I, I'm giving them enough benefit where that's concerned that the, that will be explained. But uh, just kind of a, a, another quick throwback to Iris, to the problem I think her character has, and it's kind of the same problem that all these characters that were written in the past have, is we haven't found a way to really make them make sense in our current existence. I mean, you know, the reporters, they're, yeah, it's, it's like when they tried to make you know, Clark Kent a blogger. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't work. I, the idea of Iris is this super successful journalist working out of an office. No, no I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it doesn't work for me. And I think it just it makes all of everything she does feel forced. Yeah. No, that's fair, I think. But yeah, we don't have to talk about Iris anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I mean, you, you do have to. You, you can't just ignore Iris because of bad writing. But right. you do have to acknowledge that... I don't want to call it bad writing. You have to acknowledge that there are flaws built into the character now, and that it, I would it's call it lazy it, writing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's almost to the point where it's. I, I kind of want uh, like Barry's ultimate love to be Iris from Earth forty two. Like, let's get a redo on Iris or something. You know, like let's. I, I think they have an opportunity with Crisis coming up to reset yeah. things a little bit, and I'm hoping yeah. that we might get something like their history together is kind of like reset back to like where his mother survived and they didn't live together or something like that, because then they might be able to, you know, do something with that that feels a little more natural. But you know, I I don't know. But yeah, the whole thing, like like my wife's always saying, like they they <laughs> they grew up they. They went through puberty in the same yeah. house. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is weird. She was in the she was in the room next door when he was learning how to masturbate, mm -hmm. and then she was like, "That's the man who I'm going to marry." <laughs> she <laughs> probably yeah. she saw his internet browsing history. Right. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh god, yeah. And again, that's just that that's nothing to do with Candace Patton. That has everything to do with how they wrote Iris. Yeah, and it's just. 
it's just but, unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Well, yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with the issue being like he was the puppy dog that followed her around, and then one day she just decided, okay. You know, and that does not feel natural. Does not feel like they have some great love that's like timeless or whatever. That yeah, feels right. like she like sort of like settled on him. You know, and that's and okay, that's what's do. wrong. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and that's that's what worries me about the idea of a reset because nine times out of ten, when they do those sort of things, it's going to end up being that. Yeah, it's a new Iris, but it's one that's, who's not in love with Barry. So we have to go through all this again where he wins her back. Yeah. No, and, you know? and you're right. I mean, that it is a worry. I mean, I'm a little worried about that, that too. I'm, we'll, but we'll see. I mean. It might not even happen. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, to be quite fair, I'd, I'd actually take winning back Iris at this point if we get a brand new Iris. Mm. I, I, I would actually like to see that journey. I'd like a redo on that journey. When you say um, brand new Iris, do you mean actress and everything? or just No, 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 no. Keep Candace Patton. I think Candace okay. Patton is a fine actress. I think there's no reason why they can't keep her, but reset the character. And you know what? I, I mean, Ryan does bring up a good point. If you are playing reset, you know, I, I mean... What do you do at that point? I mean, you know, because people will still have five years of Candace Patton right. Iris. It's like, can they separate the two characters? Can we have a can we have a Tom Cavanaugh moment? Well, you know my solution to this. My solution has always been kill her off, reconstitute her in the future, and then have super awesome Iris that we had in the, you know, later comics where she comes back with all that future knowledge, but she has to be like careful about what she says and how she says it and everything. I would love that manipulative Iris. That's that's yeah, you like, won't you won't future mom back yes yeah 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 and for those of you who don't know um years ago i did a journey on my own podcast when i was doing it where um i introduced nathan to my timeline of the flash which is basically the wally west version which covers a significant portion of barry's life as well because they talk about him a lot in flashback and the big thing they do there is they reveal that iris was killed at some point in barry's past but you find out that she's actually from the future and through time shenanigans and that's all we can really call it. She was able to be revived in the future and has a complete working history of what's going to happen to all speedsters from basically 1985 or when Wally West put on the cow until her time. And uh, she comes back to the present knowing that he can't survive what's about to happen unless he gets uh, a couple nudges and, and, and is kind of manipulated into it. Very much a doting mother with the kind of motivations of what Fawn had in season one. I need this to happen in order for him not to die. But she gets dark sometimes, like how she manipulated Johnny Quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there, There's some darkness in the lady. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it is definitely the most interesting version of Iris that yeah. they've ever put on the page. But I don't know if they'll ever be bold enough. No, and that's the problem. is Because then there will be fears that people will find that unlikely. So even though I like that version of Iris where it's like greater good kind of stuff and I think that's interesting, I, I totally understand why like networks would be like really worried about that of like people already don't like Iris if we make her like this, you know, like nobody will like but, her. But I mean, is there, a, is there a, a thought of, well, okay, since we're really digging the Iris vibe right now, if we make her future Iris, you know, if we, we have it be Nora's Iris from the future and she comes back to the present and that's the, that, that's the dynamic for a season or two, that would be a really interesting thing to see. Your special effects budget's going to go through the roof unless you find a way to give it a current iris, but it would be a cool thing to see, I think, and I think that it's at least worth theorizing about. No, I agree. One other thing I wanted to bring up about this season is that, you know, they advertised before the season started, we're bringing back the rogues, and it's not going to be the same characters. They're going to be younger characters, but we're going to have the rogues this season, and technically they're correct, because <laughs> we had two episodes, that's right, two 
episodes with the rogues. I feel underwhelmed and disappointed by that. Eric, well, since I mean, we haven't it been depends on if you're talking about. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to take Eric's thunder okay. on this one, but you know my love of rogues. Yes. And, and you know that I, I have a fairly broad definition of anybody who fights the Flash is the rogues, but there, right. there also is the core rogues, the actual blue collar villains. But if you look at it, I mean, this season, normally when we go through a season of Flash, it's basically, you know, 15 episodes of, oh, God, what are we going to do about the one big bad? And then, you know, we get some sprinklings of some bad guys kind of, you know, sure. popped in there. And they did the same thing here. But I mean, in this season, you had King Shark, you had Gorilla Grodd, you had Icicle, you had, uh, of course, you had the Weather Witch, you had, oh, God, what was the, the race car driver's one? Silver? Silver, go- Silver Ghost. Silver Ghost. Yeah, you had Silver Ghost show up. I mean, you had a lot of rogues show up in the season. Now, they weren't technically the rogues for the most part, but there was a good bit there. Well, but but see, when they say the rogues and all kinds of I'm thinking of the rogues having like an organization where they talk with each other and they hang out and stuff like that. And we got a little bit of that, Silver Ghost. Yeah, you're thinking of the honorable, the, 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 the thieves with honor, the rogues. Right. You know, because Silver Ghost was recruiting and, you know, that, you know, like, oh, okay, that's how they're starting this new thing. But then that went nowhere and then they drop Silver Ghost and then Weather Witch pops back with, um, what, what's that guy, Ragdoll or whatever? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Ragdoll and Bug-Eyed Bandit. And, you know, and but it's like, that's only two episodes. I wanted more rogues. <laughs> Right. You know, and I wanted more of rogues, like, working together and interacting and stuff. So I get what you're saying. We did have a good medley of villains in the season. It just didn't feel like, you know, the announcement made it seem like we're getting the rogues yeah. and capitals. And two episodes, to me, doesn't really cut it. Yeah, we're getting Captain Boomerang, and we're getting a new heat right. wave. And yeah, yeah, we're getting the rogues. Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, and I feel that. And I mean, one thing I do give them credit for is they did introduce Ragdoll. Right. And Ragdoll has never been a traditional Flash villain, but he is definitely on that rogue level of, of iconography where he, he's a blue collar rogue. And if you ever know his history, he's like the he's the second or the third Ragdoll. I think he's the third Ragdoll. I want to say his father was one, then his brother was one, and then he became one. And he was the one, the, the, the one that they have, actually, uh, that wears this particular mask. His version of Ragdoll is the one that didn't have powers, and ultimately he kind of gave himself abilities to to do that, whereas his uh, uh, father and brother had a supernatural ability to, to kind of do this stuff. And, and this version of him, he had to basically force himself to do it. So uh, imagine seeing your, your sibling being able to put himself in a box that's only five inches by five inches wide. And you have to figure out a way to do that yourself. That was what made this ragdoll so cool. So when you when I saw him and he was actually in a box that was five by five, I was like, oh! And he's just unfolding, and I was like, oh, oh, oh! And I mean, he's basically evil, elongated man. But I still loved it because that's what ragdoll is. That's what he does. He's a contortionist to the nth power, and I love that about him. Well, I like that they got a real. I mean, obviously they yeah. enhanced it with CG. You know, some of the things he do were did were literally impossible. Right. But I'm glad they did. They got a real contortionist because a lot of that was real. Yeah, and it, it was, was so really cool. freaky and yeah. disturbing because it was really somebody doing it. Right. That worked. Yeah. Yeah. Ragdoll yeah, wife... is a great character. Sorry, please. Oh no, I was just gonna say my wife watches America's Got Talent, and when Ragdoll was first introduced last season, or was it? Well, his first appearance, she jumped out of her seat and recognized him from huh. that, from, because I didn't believe her. I was like, no, that's fake. That's CG. And she's like, no, she went online and got pulled up the clip of him from America's Got Talent. And it, ooh, it, once you know that, once you know that most of that is real, it just makes, it just gives you goosebumps. Yeah, I I mean, you know, Ragdoll as a concept in the book is such a weird character. That's what makes him so unique. I mean, in the comic books, he's basically this contortionist who 
because he's done such horrific things to his body, his mind has kind of gone just gaga. So he's a very eccentric, weird, murdering, just psychopath that also can happen to fit himself into a five foot by a uh, five inch by five inch box, right? And, and so to see that version of him show up and for him to be that creepy and for a lot of that to be on screen, in camera, you know, just a guy doing that and just looking creepy as hell. It was everything I ever hoped I would see if we ever got to get a real life ragdoll. So even though they made him a meta, I, I was totally down with it. I was like, Everything that I just saw was great. He was one of the highlights of the season for me because Ragdoll is one of my favorite new villains from like the because what this particular Ragdoll is only like what about 10, 12 years old? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Gale reintroduced him in Secret Six. Yeah, Secret Six. Uh, yeah, basically Villains United. Now it's like 1995 or something, or 1995, uh, 2005, 2006. So yeah, and just knocked it out of the park. So I love seeing this version of him. And I hope that now that we have Ragdoll, maybe we'll get Catman. Maybe we'll get Vandal. <sighs> yes. You know, like, I want to see the rest of the Secret Six show up, because that's an easy thing to do. It means you can finally bring back Deadshot, who we've been hinting at for so long from so many other sources. Bring him back officially, right? <laughs> like, screw it. Bring <laughs> right. him back, you know? Like, let's let's get the damn Secret Six together. That would be amazing. We get a version of Bane, you know? Like, oh, I would love you, that. You just want the I'm a Shark song, don't I? Hey, I don't. I, I I will play to my own wants all day long. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So so Eric, what do you think about the rogues uh, for this season? You know what we were lacking this season, very easily to point out. Smart. Too. Well, that's what I was going to say. We we're missing <laughs> okay. a Captain Cold or a Citizen Cold. Um, Definitely. Character. And here's my pitch because I know obviously we'll get into this well pretty soon, but um, season six. I think there's a very easy way to not replace Captain Cold, but put in someone who would be adjacent to Captain Cold. And Sean's going to love this because I'm pretty sure he knows that we're going with this already mm. is they have had a very similar version of this character from a different earth. But I'm saying pull the trigger and bring in one of my personal favorite villain slash morally gray area characters who is connected to a flash not 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 barry but a different flash and that is bring in the the shade and i'm talking full cane and top hat well-spoken version of the shade not the weird not the Marilyn manson-esque version of the shade that we right. got but the but i'm talking the full gentleman shade and then you get you get this awesome morally gray guy who while out for his own means can also kind of go, you know, like flat out be like, well, no, Mr. Allen. And he's like, wait, how do you know who I am? And it's like, duh, everybody should know who you are, Barry, <laughs> <laughs> like have that character who would be the snart fill in. But I think it would be very fun. I think that's the villain that we're missing. It's the guy who's not, not necessarily full on evil, but kind of, kind of, and not cha not good or not cha evil or chaotic good, but kind of chaotic neutral in a way. You know, you bring up a good point, but I'm going to say the way that you set it up had me thinking a different direction, which was the Flash season six, the search for Snart. Oh, that would be cool too. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. Rolling my eyes over here. Yeah, I'm like, seriously? I, I mean, look, uh, there, there is nothing they're ever going to be able to do in order to, to actually get another Snart that will ever compare to our original Captain Cold. I mean, it's just, it, it, it is so unfortunate that Wentworth Miller is no longer really interested in playing him other than, you know, doing cameos and, and you know, special guest appearance kind of stuff. 
and that sucks. That sucks so bad because he 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 nailed Cole so hard. I mean, I there, there's when we go back and talk about Flash season one, and we talk about pretty much perfect casting across the board. He's one of the reasons we talk about that. I mean, everybody was so good in that season, and and. Everybody else has had just a ton of time to develop those characters. And we got such little time with Wentworth Miller. He went off to become a legend, and that was weird. And then they were like, well, now he's dead, but not really. And now he's Citizen Cold. And it, ah! yeah. we, we need a Captain Cold, too. And it can't snark, obviously. It's got to be somebody else. But right. for the love of God. Well, that's what I was hoping for, really, when they said that they were bringing in the rogues. I was like, okay, they're going to give us, like, a junior Captain Cold yeah. or something, but he's going to be the one that gathers the rogues together, or she, you know, and that's why I thought, okay, when Silver Ghost was doing it, but then they, they she wasn't even in the second episode with the, you know, with the, the rogues, yeah. and so it's like, we need that character that, like, that, like, sort of brings them together. It's like, hey, we can't defeat the Flash individually, but together we can do it, or, you know, and stuff like that, and he sort of polices their behavior and make sure that they have a code and stuff like that and we're just well, not I mean it. I, I said it at the end of last season and I'll say it again for my hope for the, the upcoming season 6 which is every year that they choose to not lean into the curve with the rogues I think is a disservice to the Flash mythos in general we've seen the weakness of introducing hi my name is Barry Allen I'm the fastest man alive and then for three seasons straight prove him to be completely wrong with that statement <laughs> I'm really one of four of possibly the greatest the fastest people alive right <laughs> you know, now like, like yeah, it's like 66 episodes straight of you're really not the fastest man alive, you know, um, this other guy's the fastest man alive, you know, and then in season four, it's like, fine, he's finally the fastest man alive. He is no longer being outran by somebody. He's being outthought. Great. You know, and that was cool because they actually started to develop other characters. And I was like, for the love of God, thank you. You know, <laughs> and, and then we get into season, you know, five. And, and fortunately, we had a lot of other characters, but speedsters started showing up again. They're afraid to get away from other speedsters. It's like they feel like anybody else is just going to come up so lackluster. And that was one of the great things about the rogues is that they're all kind of a joke on their own. But working together, they are a formidable foe to one speedster you know, hero. And uh, I mean, Captain Boomerang is the perfect example. Nobody took Captain Boomerang seriously. He literally threw a boomerang, Flash dodged it, and didn't even think about the rebound. And then he took down the Flash, got away, and that's how he got his street cred. <laughs> was that he accidentally beat the Flash. And then he was like, I'm Captain Boomerang. I'm the only rogue to take down the Flash on his own. And nobody can fight him on that. It's the thing that he hangs his little freaking stupid cap on, you know? <laughs> and, like, they don't play that up, you know? Like, they don't play it and, and And if they would do that, if they built a whole season about, we're going to introduce five to ten new rogues. Obviously, we can't have classic snart. We can't have classic heat wave. Bring back the trickster. Bring back the golden glider. You know, let, let's introduce some really, bring me magenta again, right? Like, we had magenta set up last year. Bring her back. Like, let's really start to go into it. Mirror you master know, in the top. I'm sorry? Mirror master in the top. Yeah, we have the, they reintroduced the Mirror Master gun this season, you know, and it's like, give us the Mirror Master gun. They even said it was developed by McCullough Technologies. And I'm like, no, no, no. you know, like, I'm like, give us Mirror Master, you know, give us the top, you know, give us the turtle too. I mean, there are so many characters that we could get and we could have. I mean, you know, we, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
but can they carry a season, right? I mean, yes. I, if you introduce five to ten new characters and have the first half of the, the, the if you have the first ten to eleven episodes be these villains giving Barry a hard time, but ultimately getting defeated, and then they're all in Iron Heights, and they all say, "What if we work together?" And then the last half of the season is the great rogue heist, and they're consistently beating him. Okay, but their ultimate goal is really just to get a payday. Well, but their ultimate goal could be, I mean, you obviously have to have like a mastermind that kind of brings them in to have some kind of arch goal. Right, that's what I'm saying. There has to be some, you know, threat to the the city that either they're responsible for directly or indirectly. Right, but then their arch goal could be like, you know, they're doing that, right? And and like, it looks like they're having this huge arch goal of completely screwing up everything and, 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 you know, destroying the world. And then it just turns out, no, that was actually just a con to freak people out so that way they could get, you know, the that weird blue diamond that sunk on that. Well, and here's the thing. I think there is this tendency in television and in film that each next iteration has to be bigger. But comics have kind of proven that that it doesn't. You know, like if you have serialized it's a little bit different in movies because you only get a few of those before you know you can't do them anymore but like a television it's serialized storytelling it's like comics every once in a while it's okay to dial things back and tell a smaller story again you know they don't always have to be like oh well last year like the world was in danger so this year it has to be the galaxy or you know like something like that you know like it's okay to dial things back and just have like hey you know now the flash is fighting you know some people who are just trying to like rob all the banks you know i mean that's that's what it is and i agree with that and i think that could storyline could carry two or three or four maybe even five episodes but there is this narrative that you have a a season-long arc or not this this tradition i guess you should should say that you have this this season-long arc and i don't know that that could carry that unless using sean's blueprint that the the rogues either willingly or accidentally set in force a threat that is greater than them that that wants to destroy central city or the whole world or whatever and i could even see at the end the rogues having to help flash take down that threat you yeah know, which happens that a lot would be more fun no no and that would be fun because it's <laughs> like the you know you go back to the idea of the rogues are, are like bad quote unquote but they're not but they don't but not monsters. right but they're not monsters yeah, right, right, right exactly they're bad but they're not evil <laughs> right. that's yeah. the difference you know they're bad but you know like you know you know what they're basically jessica rabbit you know what i'm saying like you know they're bad but they're, you know they're, they're strong that way you know like they're kind of like but i mean seriously that's the thing that i think would be quite frankly refreshing for me inside the berlanti verse right now or as i like to call it the dcw which would be, I would love to see them actually say, everybody's expecting us to have one giant arch villain. What if we had a team of people, they got together, they caused a problem in order to succeed at a goal? And, and I like Ryan's theory of, and then maybe that spins off into, oh, the problem became too much for them. For instance, remember the Amazo monster yeah. you know, that they introduced, right? If they created something that was like an Amazo, right? Where it was like, oh, well, this was a good idea and it got away from us and now we can't stop it. And everybody has to team up in order to, to, to stop this one threat. That's a great way of developing a season that would play against expectations and I think would, quite frankly, floor people. Because the thing that I always go back to as what makes a successful Flash season for me and why we always continually compare it back to season one is that season one, I would say half the episodes were just about Barry discovering the joy of being a speedster. It was about discovering the fun. And that's something that, as the seasons have gone on, they've kind of forgotten about. It's, well, how can we up the ante, like Ryan said? How can we make the big bad more big bad? And they forgot to embrace the fun. And if you introduce 
five to ten mediocre characters on their own, and he's taking them down, and it's, oh, this is what the Flash's life is mostly like. It's basically kind of taking down the bad guys, and yeah, they'll challenge him for a week or something, but then they're fine, and it's done. And it builds up, and then it pays off into this bigger story now that they're all together. That would be such a surprise, because it's not one big bad. It's a team of big bads, and it's like the Legion of Doom. I mean, the Legion of Doom is a perfect example from Legends of Tomorrow. There wasn't just one big bad. There was a big bad driving force. But it was a bunch of them that got together. And if anybody did not laugh their freaking ass off when Return of the Mac kicked on, when Damian Dark comes back from the dead, that was a fun moment, man. They yeah. they rolled that fun. <laughs> and I miss that about Flash. I want more of that. Because when they have the fun, like King Sharp versus Gorilla Grodd, like people are ecstatic. Yeah. And when they're when they're doing emo freaking, you know, vibe, you just want to just commit Harry <laughs> Carey. Just like, oh, oh, emo guy vibe. Emo. emo does not work, man. Just stop it, Cisco. Stop. Don't be emo. Nobody be emo on the show ever again. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about that last episode, because other than what they did with so I loved that episode. It was the culmination of everything they had been doing this season. And you saw not only how Thawne was, like, Xanatos-level villain. (laughs) For those who don't get that reference, it's Gargoyle's reference, best villain ever. But that he could pull all the strings and manipulate all the buttons of everyone. But we also had real tragedy. And if you had suggested to me that this show would go there, I would have laughed in your face and been like, no. Oh, no, this show is lighthearted and fun. <sighs> it was not. And that makes, I think, the stakes raise going into this next season and going into Crisis on Infinite Earths. But, Eric, let's start with you on this one. What did you think of that last episode? What, do you not remember the Savitar season? <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, it didn't really, like, you know, it didn't happen, right? You know, we we thought Iris was going to, you know, they, they teased that Iris might die, but she didn't really die. Hey, we lost HR, That's man. true. Lost HR. You know what? That's fair. We did. But we have a Wells for every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> we just bring a new Wells out. We got Sherlock. There's a council. All right. <laughs> the council of Wells. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. It was sad losing HR. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is a bummer because she she was great. <laughs> and uh, she will be missed because she was a great addition to the cast when she wasn't being as annoying as her mother. I think that they did a good job, though, of taking her from that sort of more annoying character in the beginning. Like, why couldn't they do this with Iris? Nora started annoying, but by the end of the season, I liked her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so It's because she didn't grow up with Barry in the house and then became his love interest. <laughs> I keep pointing you back to Exhibit A, people. Oh, man. And I mean, heck... Now getting that tease of uh, of what Ralph is going to be up to at the beginning of the season makes me very a very happy fanboy. Oh god, that was so good. And I love that um, Sherlock gave him the gift of a baby giraffe plushie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, so Ryan, what did you think of that last episode? I liked it. I mean, I don't think it blew me away quite as much as it did you. It basically, I was like, I was half sad, half wondering where they go with this, what's going to happen next. Because, I mean, we know next season, whatever happens next season, it's really just, it's, everything's going to be overshadowed by crisis. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I watched it, I was like, hmm, I'm going to have to process this. I'm going to see where it goes. And, I don't know, I mean, anything that brings back Thawne is, you know, 
a plus in my book as well. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'm glad that they also reset the characterization because the last time we saw this version of Thawn was in Crisis on Earth X. And he did not seem like the same character at all. He was much more of a mustache twirly, like, <laughs> I like cutting people up for fun <laughs> kind of guy. Well, yeah, he was Nazi Thon. I mean, yeah, Nazi Thon is... No, no, it yeah, wasn't Earth you know? X Thon, though. Like, he revealed to Barry that he oh, was the right. same Thon. He had just hung out with the Earth X people at that point. Yeah, but he was uh, still a Nazi Thon at that well, point. I mean, sorry. Nazi Thon is still Nazi Thon. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I like that they reset the characterization. I liked the fact that Thawne could defeat Barry and Nora on his own, and it took the whole team. Because, yes. you know, we have to justify the fact that we have a team Flash, right? And the idea that, yeah, Thawne's faster than Barry, but what if you have a guy made of elastic? What if you have a girl that can, you know, shoot ice? What if you have a guy that can make portals? And using their powers together, they were able to, like, bounce Thawne all over the place and, you know, do all that stuff. And it was, like, that was really cool because, again, it made the whole idea of, you know, why do we have a team make sense? It also allowed them to use their powers together, which I don't think we've ever seen. The, we've seen them in fights together, but it's like they're fighting separate adversaries kind of thing. And it was nice to have a villain that was worthy of them all pooling their resources and doing like a combination kind of move thing. And I really like that. I was just going to say, there's a missing episode that we're never going to see where basically after the end of the first season, everybody's been practicing, you know, for the, for the eventual return of Thawne. They've just been practicing, like, on the weekends and stuff. Hey, we're going to go play softball later on Saturday, and on Sunday, we're going to kick the crap out of each other until we can beat the reverse flash. Right. Cool. See you then. Well, because, yeah, the last I saw that was when Firestorm <laughs> and Oliver, uh, you know, helped Barry take down Thawne. But they all did. I mean, they didn't combine very well like they all attacked right. him individually he would knock him mm -hmm. away and another one would come up you know and so it was like that was what was cool about this is that we really saw them working together and being a real team and maybe maybe this segues into barry being one of the founders of the justice league which has been hinted like 50 million times in the <laughs> show right yeah and i did like the fact that they you know started exploring the dark side of the you know lowercase speed force lowercase s speed force that I don't know, it's kind of a uh, you know there are definitely Star Wars parallels there, but yeah, you know, anger leads to hate and all that jazz. But I, I don't know. I think that's a. Uh, I'm glad they explained where Thawne's power, his abilities come from, so that he can be the fastest man alive. And I'm really right. glad they didn't go for the obvious choice, which was for Nora to go into the reverse speed force and, oh, maybe she's, like, angry and evil now, but we know next season they'll solve it kind of thing and she'll be better, you know, and, and going with the whole idea of Thawne set that up as his out was it's like, not only did he manipulate time so he'd be free, he manipulated time so that Nora would be in danger so they'd have to let him go. And so either way they went, either having Nora go into the reverse speed force and becoming more like him or her erasing from existence served his ends and it was just like oh my god he is the ultimate villain of this show because he even did that and if you say that he actually cared about Nora that makes him even a worse person because that mm -hmm. means he's willing to sacrifice somebody that he cares about to further his own ends and I just keep circling back to that's what's been missing all the I hate to hang the whole show on one character but it's been kind of like we've been trying to find the right foil for Barry you know, with all these, you know, Zoom and yeah. Savitar and everything. And it's been Thawne the whole time. And, and that's, you know, that's both the blessing and the curse of this show is that he is the number one villain. Oh, I mean, look, we, and, and you know, you and I have had this conversation mm -hmm. numerous times um, on various different platforms. 
I've always said the the best villain for the Flash will always be his version of the Reverse Flash, you know. And and as you know, my my favorite version of the Flash is uh, uh, Wally, and his version of the Reverse Flash is Zoom. And the the Zoom that we got on on the TV show is a pale shadow mm-hmm. to the Hunter Zolomon that we have in the comic books. That guy, holy crap! <laughs> I mean, it's just brutal. Oh, but because he's a profiler, and that's the yeah. thing. If they had brought that in and made him be like that sort of logical thinker and of how yeah. he's so methodical, that would have made Zoom so cool. But anyway. But you know what's funny, though, is the fact that um, there, there's so much about Reverse Flash that owes his existence to the comic book version of Zoom, because before the, the Zoom version of, of the Reverse Flash showed up, it used to just be a straight-up revenge story. Mm. Well, revenge Fla- the Reverse Flash basically hung his entire existence on the fact that he went back in time to meet Barry Allen to say, I have taken your mantle a thousand years in the future, and I am all about you, and this is amazing. He then kills somebody in front of Barry. Barry realizes, oh my god, this guy's completely twisted. I've got to stop him. And that rejection drives him it basically completely you know batty that is the whole purpose of his existence is to get revenge on the flash's idol he just can't stand that he's been rejected by his idol and then when they introduced zoom in uh the early 2000s they started really kind of layering this this weird idea that not only does the reverse flash still hate barry allen but he's been methodically trying to find a way to make barry better but also in order to do so, he knows that he can't kill Barry because if he does so, he kills himself. So he has to find a way to basically make Barry better so that way he can bring him down that much harder. So that way he can build him back up and then just smash his ass back down. <laughs> so it's const- it's this constant feeding wheel of revenge where he knows ultimately he can't win. But by God, he's going to make this man hurt over and over and over again. And I got to be honest, when you describe his motivation like that, it kind of makes sense why he is Barry's ultimate villain. You know, whereas Zoom is about making sure that Wally becomes the best hero he possibly can be so that way he can survive what's going to happen in the future. You know, Thawne's all about, I can't kill you because I kill myself in that, but I can make you hurt for the rest of your life. You know, and it's based on that Zoom mentality. And I'm like, I like the fact that the team has kind of finally come around to that. But the thing that makes, you know, Thawne dangerous is that he's not around all the time. So now that they figured this out, he kind of needs to go the way of the Dodo for a season or two. Like, we don't need to see him for a while. I, I think he's going to be in crisis, though, because he said, see you next crisis when he ran well, off. We also so. saw him in crisis on Earth X. I mean, we, we crises are kind of like exception that kind of ignore the rules, <laughs> you know, because it's like a crisis. Right. But like, as far as like being the main villain of a season, like he was this past one. Sure. Like, I mean, well, retroactively the main villain. I mean, you know, Cicada was the, 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 the frontliner, but. You know, having the reverse flash be a, a main proponent of a season, they, they need to like lowball him again and have him disappear because ultimately the series finale is going to be his final confrontation with Zoom uh, with reverse flash. So you don't want to yeah. milk that too much. Well, no, no, and I agree. You can't always have it be Thawne, but I'm just saying that I think this season sort of because I also feel like season two of Legends was so strong because, again, even though it wasn't Tom Cavanaugh, I feel oh, like yeah, the reverse Tom, flash yeah. just brings something to the table. His motivations, his way of operating, everything about him just makes everything so much better. And I think that's what gave Legends that shot in the arm it needed to get past season one that nobody was happy with. You know, and, <laughs> and and propel legends into something a lot more fun and interesting. You know, uh, so yeah, I I don't know. There's something about the reverse flash. He just makes it everything better. 
but but to Sean's point is you got to be careful there because it's like the Borg, right? Mm. If you go to that well too often, you just you it, you dilute it. And what makes Reverse Thrash so menacing, so terrible, is the fact that he simultaneously will stab Cisco in the heart, even though he loves him. Will sacrifice Nora, even though he cares for him, but is also brutal, brutally. The reverse flash. I mean, this is he's he's multi-dimensional, clever as hell, and each time they beat him, he becomes a little bit less, and so that's why you you can't do it. But they didn't beat him this time. That's the important no. thing. The reverse yes. flash wins at the end of this season. This is yes, he like, does. This is the Flash's empire. <laughs> 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 you know? So this this was ah oh God, it was so good. <laughs> I need yeah, to smoke no, a cigarette I mean, over that- here. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I mean, that was one of the great things that they did in this season. You, you're absolutely right. The bad guy does win. Uh-huh. You know, while Cicada is defeated. You know, the, <laughs> no, the Reverse Flash won. He got a, his goals were to get away from prison and to hurt Barry. He did both. He, he, he won. I mean, he didn't win the fight because, you know, you're cheating. But, <laughs> but I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, he got what he wanted, which was he, he got the pain. He, you know, for me, I always go back to his motivation is he wants to put the knife in. He just wants to keep twisting it every chance he gets. And uh, he, he definitely got a good knife twist this season. And uh, it, it was really cool to see. You know, we, we haven't really had that with really any other TV show in the Berlantiverse so far. I mean, I can't think of any where like we have a definitive, oh, crap, they kind of just like flat out lost. Yeah, well, and that was one of the things that I think was great about the structure of this season. Because in previous seasons, it's been the big bad, the singular big bad, and we kind of build up to it a little bit, and then there's sort of like a climax in the middle of the season, and we kind of build up to it again in the second half to where it's the the final climax. In this season, we had three big bads. And that helped keep the like the pace of the season going. Is like, yeah, I'm kind of sick of Cicada, and oh, well, there's a now there's a new Cicada who's slightly different, and so we kind of build up with that. And meanwhile, we're building Thawne up very slowly in that second half. But then it's like Thawne was not the big bad of the whole season. He got one really fantastic episode to shine. Otherwise, he was a background character, and I think that that helps so much. And that's part of why I feel like this whole season worked so well is that we didn't just have the one bad guy we had multiple bad guys and that you know the the final one was the greatest yeah i I mean there's definitely something to be said about having a myriad of flash uh, of bad guys in the flash and it just speaks more to the point that i was saying where if they actually just nutted up and just got a bunch of rogues together it would be great because you would have to just lean on one heavy and then you could reveal oh well guess what this is what was actually going on and that would be great and i i think that they're getting it and uh, i think that they just have to be bold i think they have to sit down and be bold with their selections i mean the flash is a deep deep roster and um there are so many crazy ones like one i would love to see them actually take seriously and bring back for a while because he is so benign in the grand scheme of rogues um he's he's almost a batman villain as far as his power level but bring in murmur and let Murmur run a little while. And uh, if you guys don't know about Murmur, Murmur was recreated actually by Jeff Johns. And he's a character who basically, uh, he cut out his own tongue. He hates the sound of, of voices. He sews his mouth shut. And he basically creates a virus that specifically melts vocal cords. And uh, he, he goes around, he basically just, he, he experiments on people and he mutes them. And then if he doesn't like the results, he just kills them. So he's just basically the serial killer that's constantly out there and they can never find him. Just having a character like that just hop up, you know, oh, Murmur's still out there. That would be a creepy thing to have happen. We don't get a lot of creep factor in Flash. You know, there's not a lot of creepiness. And and that would be a new dynamic that I would love to see. That this overwhelming fear that's happening in the city because of this Murmur character. And they can't find him. 
you know, and uh, that would be that would be something cool, you know. Um, but again, that's just me kind of spitballing ideas. But regardless, no matter what, going back to the 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 the, the end of this season, having Thawne show up, become the bad guy, have a huge showdown with them pulling out all the stops. I mean, you had time remnants, you had you know, the, you had basically everybody and their mom show up with some kind of gun superpower. I love the time sphere just coming out of the portal and just smacking him right, right. in the face. Yeah, it's like, like, we threw a time sphere at him. <laughs> I, I got to admit, I laughed out loud. Like, I literally laughed out loud when that happened. I was like, did that? Did she seriously just throw a time sphere in his face? Yes, she did. You know, what else is Iris going to do in a fight versus the first slash? I'm going to throw a time sphere at him. Just weird crap like that. I mean, that was such a great moment. And then to have it ultimately be, okay, we've stopped the future. The future is done. We've been able to stop Cicada, your 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 worst enemy, the, the enemy that got away, the one that scared the world, the fear that we're talking about that we've never really gotten in the show. And the payoff is, but because you've done that, you've altered time. And, you know, Iris and Barry didn't bump uglies that night because they were bumping <laughs> uglies two nights before because he's not as stressed out about Cicada. And <laughs> Iris pops out of existence. Nora. I'm sorry, Nora, Nora pops, out, pops of, yeah. out of existence. Sorry, I always go to, whenever I think of kids, I always think of Irie and Jay, because, again, Walt's my boy. Um, so <laughs> Nora just popping out of existence because of that just killed me. But I, what I did love was the fact that we have that really great moment where she basically does her own version of the crisis goodbye. And if you remember when they showed the final video Barry sends to Iris, the crisis video where he's like, I, I think I'm not going to make it out of this, but I want you to know that I love you both and I've always been proud of you. And he basically gives her exact speech and she gives it back to him at the end of the season. There's a lot of echoes there. And I really love that. I love the fact that she was able to tell the words to her dad that he left for her when, you know, he knew he wasn't going to make it. And I thought that was a really kind of poignant moment, even though I, I still don't know how that particular piece exists, considering the fact that the only thing that should exist after she was unwritten was the time diary. Right. But hey, you know what? If we can have time remnants, we can have a message from another. From a, from a yeah. Yeah. Right, They're inconsistent right? so with don't, it don't all. Yeah. About it. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do. I do have to say one thing, though. It annoys me a little bit that they chickened out because, you know, we've had the newspaper from the very beginning that says 2024. So I'm like, oh, my God, they've thrown down the gauntlet that they're going to last 10 seasons. They Like from season one, they're like, that's right. We're going to last until 2024 because we're going to plan this storyline. And now they're like, oh, let's turn back that clock a little bit. <laughs> well, actually, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they didn't think they're going to make it to 2024. If anything, CW is known for keeping shows around for a long ass time. Yeah. Um, what I think it was is I think they thought it would take for 2024 before people would finally be able to accept a huge crossover event of that staggering magnitude. And I think if you look at the last five years and the things that have happened between Justice League, between all the successful Berlantiverse shows that have showed up, between the fact that Avengers Endgame has become like the most successful movie on the planet. I mean, now they realize, you know what? It's not going to take us that long to get here. They, and they realized that about a year and a half, two years ago. And they've been building up to this point. They knew that they were going to be able to go there. And they were going to be able to just say, this is us. We're going full bore. And I think that it's a really, really cool thing because they realized they didn't need all that extra time. So it, it might be them hedging their bets that they might get canceled in season six or seven or, or eight. But I really, it's more of a, they feel confident enough that they can actually pull off crisis now and they know they can. 
Actually, I was kind of half joking when I said that, but I think actually the real reason is that Stephen Amell was like, hey, I'm out, but I want to do Crisis before I go. And they were like, you know what? We want the arrow as part of this. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do this a little bit early so that we can, you know, segue it up with you leaving. I think that might have part of it too, because I'm I'm pretty sure that Amel, being as much of a geek as he is with this kind of stuff, has been like, "Hey, I got to be part of this," you know? <laughs> but, right, right. I, I don't know. I think there was also it was kind of wishful thinking. Like we're gonna they picked a time, they're gonna throw it out there. Either they make it or they don't. Maybe they bump it up earlier or whatever. But in doing it this way, in showing that date change, it created a moment. It created you know hair rising on your arms when you watched it because you know what's coming. And you couldn't have gotten that if we'd just been watching this for 10 years. It's like, okay, it's finally here. And it, it, this created a, a sense of expectation, which hopefully it'll live up to. I mean, they're going to need basically an entire season's budget just to do this crossover per episode. But, you know, fingers crossed. Sure. Well, uh, you know, another part of that, though, is because it, it happened right after the reverse Flash said, see you next crisis. It almost makes me think they're going to tie him in more strongly Maybe. into crisis and say that somehow he advanced the date by something that he did and therefore make it like even worse, like for them that like he, he erased Nor Cause I, I think that's the reason why Nor disappeared is that now the crisis happens earlier. Barry disappears earlier. So he was like, Nor was never able to be considered conceived right and so you know and so maybe that's all down to thawne doing something and that would be you know interesting if they go that route yeah i, I there's there's definitely a cause and effect thing here that's not, and i i mean the the, the cynic in me says i don't think the reason why we're only getting seven episodes of arrow what is this, eight episodes or whatever I think uh, it's full I th- ten. I think ten. Yeah, yeah they're ten episodes of Arrow. Yeah. You know, they're they're getting basically a half season of Arrow. I think the whole reason why that's happening is the fact that they realized that they needed to fold in almost an entire season's worth of a budget into this massive crossover they're doing with Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I I legitimately think it's not that Stephen Amell was out for season seven. It was or, or season eight. Season eight. Season eight. It's season eight, yeah. Um, it was, you know what? We're not going to be able to do 22 episodes. We're going to absorb a huge amount of your 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 budget, and we're just going to do a half season. Uh, and that gives them the flexibility of getting out early, and it gives them a ton of money on the back end. They can say, <laughs> we're going to put 10 episodes worth of budget into... Ba- They're basically Game of thrones in this, right? And we're going to put 10 episodes worth of budget into, like, three episodes. Well, he's he's been public before and said he can't see himself doing more than seven seasons. I almost felt like they had to talk him into doing another half season just because they're like, hey, Crisis is something you want to stay for a half season to do Crisis or otherwise. Because the way season seven was written, season seven was written as if it could be the end of Arrow. Yeah, right. And now they're tacking on this extra half season. So I, I don't know. I, I thought the other way around is more like they convinced him to stay, you know, say just another half year. You know, just so that they could have, you know, all that segue together and have it. And then I think he was interested because now he gets to be part of this huge event, you know, and, and he's he's always geeking out when they do the crossovers. And, you know, one of my favorite things from Elseworlds, I don't know if you saw this, Sean, because you were trying to not see so much Flash stuff. Right. Is Stephen Amell, who's old enough to have watched the original Flash series geeking out over playing opposite of John Wesley Ship. Yeah, yeah. No, I did and, see that, yeah. And he was just, like, so excited that he got to, you know, do scenes with John Wesley Ship. And I was just like, that is so amazing. And, and you know, I got to be honest. I mean, you know, I, I talked to John Wesley Ship about this years ago when he was at Han. Um, I was like, are you ever, if they ever give you a chance to go back into the original Scarlet outfit, will you go into it? And he's like, hell yeah. 
You know, he, was like, <laughs> he, he told me years ago, he's like, if they ever give me a chance to put back on that suit and play the original Barry Allen, I will be all over it. And I was like, do you think they'll do that? He goes, dude, I have no idea. He was flat out. He's like, I have no idea. He goes, I'm just happy that they'll let me be Jake Garrett. You know, <laughs> at that particular point, he was like, I'm just glad that I got a job, you know, playing the Flash again on some level. Um, and when, dude, I'm telling you, I saw the preview, you know, and, and I knew it was happening. And I knew when they said Earth 90, I was like, no. <laughs> and then they show it. I'm like, no. And then I, and I hear the original Flash theme song, that, 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 yes. that horrible Tim Burton Flash theme song that I love so much. <laughs> And I mean, I, I do have a love-hate relationship with that theme song because it basically is just Batman light. I, oh man, I squeed so hard because what it did, and I love it so much, is that it folded in a season of TV that I I love and I also hate because I never got six more seasons of it mm. into this universe. And, and you and I talked about pie in the sky stuff way back in season one of The Flash about mm. wouldn't it be cool if they ever found a way to fold in that alternate Earth of Barry? And I was like, that would be so great because that would make it canonical again. And they did it, and it is. And in that version, we get basically we we, we get John Diggle as a Green Lantern, which, by the way, they need to do that shit. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm even though this isn't the Arrow podcast, I'm going to say well, it's because part of, the of how, crossover, though. I mean, we could talk about right, it. right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I, this is my theory for next season of Arrow: is that the Monitor is going to bring Ollie around to other Earths to recruit people, and I think he's going to recruit the Green Lantern version of Diggle, so they can keep the actor for Diggle. But, you know, regular Diggle's still on, you know, Earth One Diggle's still on Earth One, but right. they're going to give us a, a Green Lantern Diggle as part of Ollie's crew that he's, you know, recruiting from different Earths. That's my suspicion. And I still Listen, love that he was John, though. I just love that his name was still John. So the John parallels, right. even though he's not Stuart, he's Diggle. It just, ah, oh, but about that, did, okay. did you see in this season of Arrow, his stepfather was General Stewart. Right. Yeah, so, I think they were trying to backtrack it a little bit. Yeah, so they could kind of, yeah, but... Oh, dude, yeah, so really we could have another Earth where he takes his stepfather's name, or, or that ended up being his father, or something like that, so... Yeah, that. Okay, so do is, you think that do you think that Warner Brothers and, and CW has the brass cojones to spin him off as John Stewart from Earth ninety or something, right, into his own TV show? We get a Green Lantern on DC Universe or something, or on CW in another year or two. Do you think that they can bring him back and and play this character and and have a legit Green Lantern that's not going to be made fun of and laughed out of the room immediately? <laughs> Uh, not it's CW. Po- anything's possible. Not CW. They didn't have the budget for it. Right. But maybe DC. Universe. Right. Be DC yeah. Universe yeah. if they did yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I anything's possible now. We're in an age when Disney and DC and Warner are now doing so many crazy spinoffy things because they have their own streaming channels and everything. It's like I. I, I, I don't even know what the limits are anymore. So yeah, if you think of it, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There are no limits. There, there are no limits, <laughs> you know, but I mean, but, but going back to the, the, the Flash, though, I mean, like I said, seeing John Musty ship as the Flash, which is so great. Yeah. Knowing that that's going to play up next year in Christ on Earth, I mean, if they're smart, and I think they will be, the whole first half of basically at least Flash should be a build up to that moment. Because, you know, as much as it is a story about all the multiverses, it really is the Flash's story to carry. You know, that's the story where, and again, the spoilers, if somehow you guys have never read Christ on Infinite Earths, which came out in 1984, <laughs> I'm about to drop a huge 35-year-old spoiler on you here, but that's the, that's where Barry Allen officially dies. Like, he, he dies in Christ on Infinite Earths. That's the reason why he never comes back. The, the story goes originally the way it was written was that Barry runs so fast to destroy the anti-monitor's device that he was using to destroy worlds 
he basically became pure energy. And in the original theory, he became pure energy that traveled back in time, and he was able to give a warning to his friends, saying, oh God, oh God, you have to stop this from happening, oh God, oh God, turns into pure energy and strikes himself back in 1965 as the lightning bolt that gives him his powers. Yeah. So he, he becomes full circle. Now, eventually they rewrote that. Um, the great Mark Wade said he became part of the Speed Force. And the energy of him doing that was what caused the lightning bolt. So that way, it kind of like you, you, it's another one of those you have to kind of squint moments. Uh, kind of, uh, but he's part of the Speed Force now, and he technically died. He went to Speedster Valhalla, and the energy off what triggered the whole loop of the Flash. I would love for them to actually find a way to to double down and find a way to do that. But the only way they could successfully had a handoff is if we actually had a valid uh, Wally West to pick up the mantle, and we don't. Yeah. Well, the other thing is. You know, what I'd really love for them to do, which I know they won't, is to retcon all the creepy Speed Force stuff that they've done as it was actually the reverse Speed Force, <laughs> you know? And so that way they can leave the Speed Force as, as yeah. Speedster Valhalla instead of like, no, actually the Speed Force is this creepy manipulative thing that wants to keep you in jail, Barry. Yeah, I mean, they even did that in the comic books. In the right. comic books, every single time they, they expand on what the Speed Force is, they screw it up. It's like, no, it's supposed to be ineffable. You're not supposed to know what goes on in the Speed Force. It's supposed to be a place of bliss that you don't want to leave. And they keep trying to show us what's on the other side. I'm like, stop it! Because every time they do, they screw it up. And if you've ever read any of the New 52 stuff where like Barry goes into Speed Force, there's literally a land that time forgot where dinosaurs are running around. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, it's so stupid. It's like, stop it. No, it's Valhalla. Like, people are trying to get out of the Speed Force. Like, we have to survive every day by eating velociraptors. What the hell? You know, and it's like, it's just weird. You know, it's like, stop it. And, and what they what they basically have done is they, they, they have come up with stories that there, there can be taints. Like, there are these weird, it's almost like the Speed Fart burps. And when it burps, these weird things happen. Um, and they could easily say, you know, with Eobard Thawne uh, using the reverse uh, speed force, he has kind of tainted it. And they can have a whole thing where, you know, Barry joining it has purified it or something. And like you said, the paw race, you could just kind of purify the speed force. And it could actually be a good thing versus, you know, that creepy place that you have to go to because your grandparents live there, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, we, we've all seen that weird movie, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they screwed up the Speed Force in the show. They really did. Like, who would ever who would ever willingly want to go into it? Yeah. And I want to see Speed Force powers. You know, like actual yeah. manipulation of momentum stuff, not the uh, you know, just like, oh, the Speed Force mm -hmm. shoots lightning bolts at people stuff. Speed Force shoots lightning bolts. Great. Well, how about stopping bullets? How about that? Or how about we have, you know, anything, you know, lending momentum? Still, one of the most... Oh, but you know me. I, I have my encyclopedic knowledge of Speed Force powers, and we've not even touched the freaking tip of the iceberg <laughs> with some of these things, man. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, we're, we're going quite long <laughs> on this my one, bad, so I think sorry. we need to, uh, to rein things in here. So um, final, final thoughts. We've talked a little bit about it, so if you don't have anything to add, that's fine. We can just move on. But things you want to see next season. So, Eric, do you have anything to mention that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, yeah. If I don't get Ted Cord, I'm raging. Mm. <laughs> no, seriously. They're doing crisis. You better you you better finally pay off on, on Cord Industries by bringing Ted in. There's really no reason for it at this point, especially if you're doing crisis. 
Look, as as Blue Beetle being one of my top five favorite characters, you can't give me Ted Cord without giving me Booster Gold. That's my only caveat to that. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm with you. I don't <laughs> okay, mind fair getting if, I don't mind getting Booster if we're gonna get yeah. Ted. I'm just saying. I'm just worried that you guys are gonna think it's it, you know it's gonna you're gonna build it up as it's gonna be like the Comet Crisis and, and it's five it's five TV shows. Hey. We got '90s Flash. That's true. This year, that's true. We had Doctor. We had Doctor Fate's helmet. We had Star Girl. Now, granted, they were all dead. We had a lot of cameos in that one freaking shot. I'm telling you, man, they're gonna they're gonna shoot for the moon. I mean, I'm not yeah. gonna land it, but they're gonna shoot for it. It's clear yeah. they're shooting. Yeah. Well, I half expect Tom Welling to show up. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! How great would that be? Oh man! <laughs> have Dean Kane show up as Superman? No, I was going to say, I can't tell you about certain characters that show up in Doom Patrol because I don't want to ruin the surprise for uh, for Sean, but I was going to well, say... But apparently, Mashua Mala shows up, which I'm super happy about. My other sentient ape, so I'm very happy about that. Plead the fifth. Anyways. <laughs> I, I, I want to have that scene. I, I don't know the context. I'm guessing it's from Crisis, where there's this meme that goes around the internet of all the different supermen clutching their heads. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. It's like a line of like five million of them. Yeah. I want to have like Dean Kane, Tom Welling, and... Um, oh, crap. And, uh, um, uh, 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 what's the guy from uh, the, the Supergirl? Uh, why did I forget his name? Um, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, the guy, the guy who's been playing Superman on the CW. And just have them do that scene of all the clutching their heads and having, like, all the different versions of Superman. <laughs> but the other thing I was going to say is Legends gave us Bawana Man. You're going to tell me that they're not going to deep... They, they cut enough where they're not going to throw in certain <laughs> characters. I mean, I'm sure well, we'll see a Harbinger the, of some sort. The sheer amount of screen time, though. There's, yeah. It's only five 42-minute episodes, so they can't include everybody. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what they you, do with you it. Shush. But. Yeah, but you're also <laughs> assuming that the entire thing is going to be held within the 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 crux hold of those five episodes. They can introduce Harbinger early and she could that's be true. she could be floating around. And, and then, that's true. If they're smart, they could they could use early seasons of each show to introduce characters. You're right. Yeah, I mean, Crisis yeah. is the 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 showdown. Crisis is the culmination. They if again, if they're smart, they're built like the Crisis is their 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 Christmas holiday season out. Right, and they're building up to that for the whole first half of everything. I mean, all of it. Like Ollie's completely wrapped up everything he wants to do. He started the Oliver Queen Foundation for little orphan, you know, archers, <laughs> and, and he's he's good to go. You right. know, like he's 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 ready. You know, and then they're like, hey, we have one more mission for you. Get your bow. Okay. And, I mean, that's what they do, right? You know, I mean, right, right. Yeah, no, Arrow. I expect to be setting up Crisis yeah. this whole season. I'm not sure the other shows are going to, you know, do that. But Arrow, since it's ending with Crisis, I think is going to be all set up for Crisis. Yeah, and I definitely think that Flash. I, I, I think that if we're going to get Harbinger, I think Eric. Uh, I think that that mm. would be where we'd get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ryan, anything that you want to see out of this next season? Well. Just, I am glad this season that we finally acknowledge that they're just metas living day to day. You know, they're not good or right. bad. They're just uh, just there living their lives. So, you know, that was nice that we acknowledge that. <laughs> uh, but as far as next season, I, I know I'm in the minority here, but I, I want Earth-32 and Earth-1 mashed together. I want Supergirl on the same planet, the uh, same dimension as uh, everyone else. What do you think Crisis is going to do? Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I want them to do it. I, I, it's a logistical nightmare, but I want them to do it. Right. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think that you're right. I think that's the way they go. I would have preferred keeping the multiverse, but I bet they're going to get rid of it with Crisis yeah. and just have it all one Earth. Because, I mean, you know, technically speaking, if we do follow Crisis, right, doesn't Kara have to die too? But, so I'm going to assume that doesn't so yeah uh, it's it's gonna be oliver exchanges himself for the two of them it's the same deal he made already <laughs> i have this especially since that's what they were showing in the flash forwards of arrow was that oliver was dead in the oh, future yeah although yeah that's just one possible future now so i don't know right so we'll see <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean as far as this as far as the flash goes next season i really like nora i want them to bring her back mm. in some capacity i think that's likely too so, Sean, what about you? Anything that you haven't mentioned yet that you'd like to see next season? Well, I, I think that going back to the, the Supergirl comment and, you know, will she die or not? Um, I, I think you're missing the other side of that, which is since Supergirl is the heavy of her show and super supporting character, why can't we have a, a, an inversion of that classic Crisis cover where she's holding mm. Superman's dead body and she survives Crisis and he doesn't? That would be a really interesting turn because, again, that would carry her entire half season afterwards. How does Supergirl live without Superman? How, how, do, how does she have the only other Kryptonian cousin? How does Lois, who's probably pregnant with John, you know, deal with... Uh, well, actually, she is pregnant with John right now, but, you know, however far along she is at that point, how does that play out? You know, just all of that would be so interesting to see. Um, so I think that would be something really cool to see out of Crisis. Now, out for, as far as The Flash is concerned, you know, I, I really don't know what I want from season six. You know, I, I think that at this point, we've milked the speedster well pretty much well and good. Um, I mean, dear Lord, we even got Godspeed at this point. <laughs> and that's a character that was only invented like two years ago. Um, even though I will give them credit, the costume was dead on and they used him the perfect amount, which was one episode and out. <laughs> but I mean, well, we still haven't had Max Mercury. Well, I mean, yeah. as far as villains, though, yeah, as sure. far as villains, I think we've kind of reached our limit unless we really want to revisit the Savitar will give us a true god of speed. I still would love to see a speed cult. I think an actual speed cult would be a phenomenal addition to the, the Flash universe. I think seeing Barry unmask and go public would be a phenomenal yeah. turn for the Flash universe. I Allen returning would be an awesome return in the Flash universe. I think that expanding their roster of villains and making sure that they develop a coterie of bad guys that can carry them. The, the problem that Flash is going to have right now is the same thing that Arrow had, which is that you're basically going to get the, this kind of fatigue of the same storyline over and over and over again. The only way that your fatigue doesn't really hit you is if you have characters on the bad side that continue to develop as interesting foils for the main character that will continue to evolve and change. Like you said, start, he went from zero to 60 in two seconds flat. Quite frankly, this is the time where we should be really seeing the citizen cold version of Snart, not the end of Flash season one, the beginning of Legends of Tomorrow season one. You know, like, that's just way too fast. And it's a shame that we don't get that 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 evolution. But for them to carry this show another two, three, four seasons, if they feel like they can do so, uh, they need to develop a coterie of villains that are going to be able to continue to come back and continue to challenge Barry. And that means that they have to really dig into the the rogues and give us some some interesting characters that are not just going to be one and dones, which is an unfortunate pattern that all of the DCW has fallen into. Hey, here's a really interesting idea. Let's pursue it for an episode, and then let's just rip it up like a mazo, and then that's it. It's done. You know. And uh, I, I think that that's what the Flash is to work on now is building up threats. 
so yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I want to see. I don't care about who the big bad is. I don't care about anything else other than building up these core relationships and these core villains that can continually vex and trouble our speedster. So that way we have a healthy and robust uh, second act. Um, I mean, hell, who knows? This show could go like Supernatural and do 14 seasons. <laughs> but right now we're we're definitely entering the second act of this show. It's it's hit season five. It's now syndication worthy. Can it reach season ten? I have no idea, but I'm really excited to find out. And I think they can do it because if the strength of characters like Ralph and Killer Frost uh, and Nora are any indication, they have a lot of juice left in the, the, the gas tank. They just have to make sure that they, they apply it evenly and don't burn out the quick. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You talk about Barry unmasking. and I, I flipped back to the, the Sing reveal. And I'm just like, now I want a scene where Barry, like, goes to have, like, a big press conference, and he's like, I'm going to unmask, and he unmasks, and he's like, I'm Barry Allen, and everybody's like, we know. Right. <laughs> I mean, that'll like, never happen, but it'd be funny as hell. Right, yeah, that'd be really, really funny. It's just like, everybody knew, they just, like, like you know, let him think, you know, like, yeah, okay, secret identity, whatever. They just know. pat him on his head, oh, in that cue. <laughs> right. Oh, man. But yeah, there there's actually a meme going around once that I saw with Superman villains and they were like, hey, I figured out that Clark Kent is Superman. Like, shh, don't tell him that we know. It's like, you know, we all know that. We just don't, you know, we just don't tell him that. But anyway. All right. So, uh, so yeah, um, let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find you online. So, Ryan, why don't we start with you? Well, not saying goodbye, Internet. Not now, not ever. Uh, yeah, probably my keyboard for my cold dead hands or, you know, when I fall asleep. But anyways, internet, <laughs> not saying goodbye, not now, not ever, but you can find me following these fine, fine people's uh, Facebooks and podcasts or whatever. You can shoot me a comment on Twitter at Geek Stranger, and I'll see it in six months on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook and uh, shoot me a comment there, and I'll see it in six days when I check Facebook. Otherwise, actually, in the near future, things are um, opening up for me schedule-wise, and I should start having more of an internet presence, but I know better than to make promises. Feel free to check out, you know, my website. It's cost me four bucks a month, so you know, knock yourself out. Yeah, not that it'll have changed since the last time you checked it, but <laughs> not you know, a check bit. it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think WordPress updates itself automatically. Thank you very much. Right? Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? As always, internet. If you check out my Twitter page, which is just at Eric Radcliffe, you can usually find everything else: the uh, Instagram, the Facebook, the web comic, and the podcast when it does finally return. And yeah, that is about it. Because you can find me; it's like the hub. Everything <laughs> to be continued. Internet. See, see, Ryan, I beat you. It's not a competition. <laughs> All right, Sean, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? All right, well, Internet, until I'm on next time, goodbye, and hope you guys have a wonderful time and, and enjoyed The Flash and continue to enjoy The Flash because I love the crap out of this character. And, and again, no matter what, uh, you know, for me, Flash is like pizza. Even a bad slice is usually pretty damn good. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. Uh, but uh, until next time... Take care. Uh, you can find me online on most social medias as Numaz. That is P N E U M A Z. And uh, if you want to hear more of me espouse uh, random thoughts, uh, you can of course go see my old podcast, Sean Castic. It's still out there. 
Uh, I just kind of leave the archives up. But uh, I also do this podcast uh, every once in a while over on the Legion of Leia network called uh, Board Nerds with a Mic. And I think we're, uh, as the time that we're recording this, I think we're about to start talking about Nosferatu, uh, start on AMC. But uh, we've also talked about like American Horror Story and Game of Thrones, which uh, apparently people really like the title of our podcast. It's gone around the internet. It's called WTFGOT, which apparently people really appreciated this last season. But uh, yeah, feel free to check that out. Again, it's Board Nerds with a Mic. You can find that on most podcast places like iTunes, SoundCloud, all that good jazz. And uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate being here. Oh, you're welcome. And Sean, Ryan, and Eric, thank you for being on. Thanks for having hey. me. Yeah, it's a blast. And that's it for our Flash episode. We hope that you enjoyed it, and you can let us know if you did, what you'd liked, and what you didn't like in a variety of different ways. One way is by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to facebook.com slash 42cast or to tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us a message there. Or you can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. I know it's been a while since we've gotten a new review, and so I at least would personally be excited uh, if I got another review sometime. I always enjoy reading those. So yeah, just drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention the ESO Patreon. It does help all the shows on the network. And so you can find that by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. You can find exclusive episodes there. You can also, like I said, contribute a little bit of money to uh, help out all the shows on the network and keep us running. I do want to apologize for some of the sound quality issues that I'm discovering. I know the Black Lightning episode last time was particularly bad. Uh, My recorder appears to be chopping off bits and pieces of words and it's not even that there's just a gap where it was chopped off it's like it misses certain segments of people speaking and then just stitches them together seamlessly so it's a weird thing that's going on and of course as i've been catching up i've started realizing that this is something that's been happening recently it was even on this one uh, although if you didn't hear it that's great but Uh, You might have heard a little bit of that clipping on this one, and I don't know why it was worse on the Black Lightning one than this one, but it's something that I'm investigating. Definitely going to try to get that fixed, because obviously we don't want to hear that uh, when we're listening to the podcast, although I still think it's possible to follow everything that we're saying. Uh, I do want to make sure that we improve the sound quality and make sure to improve the overall listening experience. But other than that, I'm still just preparing for Chicago TARDIS. I've applied to the panels that I'm interested in. I'll have to see what they're, uh, you know, what I get assigned to on that. So I'll give an update when that gets closer. But yeah, other than that, uh, that's a wrap for this week. So join us back next week when Katie McGrath will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com.
www.geekgeekgeek.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.